0: in Nashville yesterday. How about them Cleveland Browns? Wow. How about Kenner's Cleveland Browns? (laughs) Wow. How about Baker Mayfield's Cleveland Browns? Finally, Baker Mayfield gets that signature W we've been asking him for. Not just a signature W for the Browns, but a signature Baker Mayfield game, and that's exactly what Browns fans and Browns haters alike got yesterday. We open up today's show, of course, reaction to the Cleveland Browns and what was uh, well, a, a game that... I was a little nervous about. I was a little worried about I said that last week that the, Cle- that the Tennessee Titans are the Cleveland Browns. They're the same team. The line can get them injured again next year. This isn't about you. I never once brought up the Bengals all weekend long. They made it about them when their fans started coming at me. All I did is say how great Baker Mayfield looked. Those fans just light me up. I'm like, what are you doing? I- I'm surprised you're even still watching football. It was a bad weekend to be a Baker Mayfield hater. I promise you that much.
1: Something I want to talk about real quick. I want to talk about some predictions. Uh, my prediction for the game was 35-24 Titans. Schrody, the Titans fan, 37-24 Titans. Kenner, 28-21. Mm-hmm. Browns. We were all wrong about the score. This was a high-scoring game. A lot of points scored in the first half by the Cleveland Browns. A lot of points scored by the Tennessee in the second half. And let's be clear about something in, in football especially in pro football, you're not going to attack the game the same way you attacked it in the first half. If you're the Cleveland Browns, this is not college football where the clock stops every two seconds, the clock keeps rolling. So you run the ball and get the game over with. I really was, I never thought the Browns were in jeopardy of losing a game. uh, Once they got that big lead going into the halftime, Um, I pretty much figured like, all right, they had it in the bag. I will say, all right, the Titans came out that first drive and went, scored in three plays but you know the defense that they're calling is totally different from when they're calling it when they're up so I really you know they won end up winning by six but they were never in jeopardy of losing the game hats off to the Cleveland Browns not only Baker Mayfield but you got to give that defense a lot of credit for when the game was in the balance they shut down the run game for Tennessee and there when Tennessee was gambling on those fourth down calls Um, it came up big for them. They made – Sheldon played remarkable football. He was in the backfield, you know, caused that fumble on Derrick Henry. Then the Browns went right down to capitalize with a touchdown, not a field goal. So, you know, you got to give kudos not only to the quarterback of the team, but everybody, every facet of the team that the Browns did. They outplayed Tennessee landslide. I mean, shoot, and Stefanski outcoached. I'll coast them. Like everything everything went the Browns way and it wasn't any luck involved. They went out and took the game to the Titans and they won fair and square. All right,
0: 4579464 four. that's the number to call in and join in on the conversation. We welcome you in everybody. Happy Monday. I hope you had a great weekend. It was a fun weekend right. for me. I promise you that much. But it is the Justin Kinner Show with Kevin Nash as we kick things off here on a Monday reaction to the Browns' 41-35 victory over the Tennessee Titans. Baker Mayfield bolt out twenty-five at thirty-three for three hundred thirty-four yards and four touchdowns, and uh, that's the Baker Mayfield that we have all been waiting that I have definitely been waiting for and calling for from the very beginning. The Titans <laughs> they beat the Tennessee Titans. That's a good opponent. You know what I laugh at in, in the NFL, Kev. We keep on with signature wins. Mm-hmm. So I started looking. I'm like, well, how many opponents, how many teams in the NFL are considered signature opponents? Mm-hmm. So it's like to get a signature win, how many teams are out there that you look at and say, oh, that's a signature win? Because let's say, you know, the Raiders aren't playing well now, but remember when they beat the Raiders, or if they, when they lost to the Raiders, had they beat the Raiders, we wouldn't be saying, oh, that's a great, that's a signature win right there, right? Like, there's, outside of the Ravens and the Steelers, and I, know, I already know how the narrative is going to work, Kev, as we move forward, if the Browns beat the Ravens next week. Oh, it's not a signature win because the Ravens aren't the Ravens that they were back in week one. Um, if they do somehow pull an op- upset in the final week of the season against the Steelers, the Steelers look a little wobbly. Even though they, they're winning, they're undefeated, they look a little vulnerable. If they beat the Steelers, well, that Steelers, I mean, that's one of the worst undefeated teams I've ever seen. So I know how the narrative is going to go. And 4 5 7 nine, four, <laughs> 6 4 um, that, that's going to be the thing moving forward. Is wh- There is no signature win moving forward for the Cleveland Browns. The Tennessee Titans was as close to a signature win as the Browns can get. Um, And that's all that matters. The Titans aren't, I I don't look at a team like the Titans as going to a Super Bowl. I don't look at them as being a threat in the playoffs. That's just a good quality win. There's not a lot of good quality wins out there right now, Kevin. There's a lot of bad football out there. And that's the thing. The Browns right now are doing what a lot of teams can't do, and that's put on these long winning streaks. The Browns are doing what they're supposed to do. They are beating the teams that they are supposed to. I told everybody last week. When the Jaguars started making their comeback against the Browns, everyone was like, oh you 're talking too soon, you 're talking too soon that they don't have the game in the bag." A year ago, the Cleveland Browns lose games that they 're not supposed to. A year ago, the Cleveland Browns found ways to lose a game a year ago, forget it, a year ago for the last two decades since coming back to Cleveland, the Cleveland Browns have been known as the face of the organ- they have been known as the organization that would do everything in their power to find ways to lose games. What we saw from the Jets yesterday. That was the Cleveland Browns for the last 20 years. Finding ways to lose games was the moniker of the Cleveland Browns. And last week, as the Jaguars are making their comeback, I was like, you know what? I feel pretty good about what – I didn't feel like the Browns were going to mess it up. Because the Browns have done an outstanding job this season of even in ugly wins – Grinding them out and finding ways to win. Bad teams find ways to lose. Good teams find ways to win when things aren't going well. And that's what the Cleveland Browns have done all season. You can't knock it. Browns haters, Baker Mayfield haters, who I don't care. You cannot reign on this parade today. The Cleveland Browns are 9-3. and three. You wanted them to get a quality win. They'd already beaten the Colts. That wasn't good enough for you. Now they beat the Titans. They beat both teams who are battling it out for first place in that division. That's still not going to be good enough because now you're going to say, "Well, the Titans look bad yesterday. They just don't look that strong." You know, like I know how this is going to work moving forward. The Cleveland Browns have found ways to win games, and that's all you can ask for because across the league, you have teams finding ways to lose games, and the Cleveland Browns have won five of their last six. Baker Mayfield since week seven has elevated his game. How about take a look at this? This is the Baker Mayfield numbers that. I found really interesting, and of course these aren't set up, so I'll get to the Baker Mayfield numbers coming up here in just a moment. But Baker Mayfield yesterday, 334 yards, four touchdowns, the only other quarterback in the NFL this season that has put up four touchdowns in a single half has been Patrick Mahomes. Baker Mayfield is not Patrick Mahomes, but Baker Mayfield is doing things that I've been saying from the beginning, that if the Browns want to be respected as a legit team, Baker has to be a legit passing quarterback. Baker has been a legit passing quarterback since week seven when they beat the Bengals. Oh, they beat the Bengals. Oh, they've only beat, you know, bad teams since then. It doesn't matter. Bad teams lose to bad teams, good teams beat bad teams, and the Cleveland Browns have beat bad teams, and they've beat good teams now. And there's really the haters are running out of things to say because Baker Mayfield hasn't turned the ball over in his last 150 passing attempts. He's the only court, he has the longest passing streak right now without throwing an interception in the National Football League. All right, Baker Mayfield has elevated his game, and when Baker elevates his game, the Browns take their team to a next level. With the run game, the Browns are playoff contenders. With Baker Mayfield's game from yesterday, they are threat. They are a threat in the playoffs, and that's all that matters, Kev. That's all that matters.
1: Uh, I will disagree with you a little bit about bad football in the NFL. I really—it's definitely not bad football in the AFC. There's a lot of potential uh, Super Bowl teams in the AFC. Obviously, KC, um, the Pittsburgh Steelers. We got you know Buffalo. That's that's right there. I think there's a, still a lot of good wins, uh, opportunities for the. Browns to get some good wins um I mean they already got good wins I mean last, y- last yesterday they already beat the Colts as well shoot they got the Ravens next week I would still view that as a good win especially if they're about to get Lamar Jackson back and everything like that but that's how the NFL is the NFL is a league where you know any team can beat any team I mean you look at the Raiders yesterday you know they're teetering on uh borderline playoff team and they were about to lose to the O and whatever Jets you know they needed uh basically a a blown coverage to win yesterday but that's how the league is i mean you look at the champs yesterday last night they're on sunday night football everybody expects that game to be a blowout but denver broncos are right there so when people talk about like oh man this uh pittsburgh Steelers team is the worst 11 and 0 team we've ever seen like look look at these scores in these games these games are tight all these games are tight All these all these scores are tight right down to the wire. I mean, shoot, you look at the Lions game yesterday versus the uh, Bears. They needed a fumble on the like the 12 yard line to win the game. You know, so like the NFL, these games are always a touchdown apart. That's why Vegas makes a ton of money, because people view these other teams like, oh, man, you should blow them out. You should blow them out. They should be winning by three touchdowns. And then you go bet it at your local bookie and they clean up on you. Most of the games in the NFL are within a touchdown, no matter who the team is.
0: All right, 457-9464, it's the number to call in and join in on the conversation. The question is, it's a simple, boring question. There's not a whole lot of thought to put into it. The bottom line is, are the Cleveland Browns for real? I said the last couple of weeks I was having fun and enjoying watching the Cleveland Browns win football games. I was having a blast watching them win football games, but what I wanted to see was the Browns beat a good quality team. I thought when they beat the Colts, that was, a, that was a heck of a win early in the season, but a lot has happened since they beat the Colts, and they've beat up on a lot of bad teams or a lot of beatable teams since then. The Browns are a good football team, there's no question about it. The question is is, are they for real? I was hesitant to say that they were for real until I got to see them play the Titans over the weekend. The reason is, is regardless of your opinion about the Titans, the Titans are the quality of team you're going to see in the playoffs. I don't think the gap between Buffalo and Tennessee is that big. I don't believe the gap between Buffalo and the Browns is that big. Um, the the AFC outside of Kansas City, and I'm still going to give Pittsburgh the respect that they deserve for being undefeated this late into the season. We're going to find out at five o'clock. You know, we're going to see if they can continue their their streak going. Right now, they got you know Washington's not a great team, but really, it's not about. The the opponent for the Steelers moving forward, it's about the you know as the streak keeps going, that becomes the opponent they battle each week. Is is that becoming part of the, the mental <laughs> opponent for the for the Steelers later? So watching what I watched yesterday, the Browns didn't just prove that they bo- that they deserve the resp- that they deserve respect; they belong. Like, the Titans, that's the quality opponent. They could possibly run into them again come Mm -hmm. playoff time in the first round. And the Browns have already proven that they they could play their game. The Browns are the Titans. The Browns' defense and the Titans' defense, it's, it's not great. It's just okay. The offense... they go as the quarterback goes you know what you get with the run game derrick henry to the titans nick chubb and kareem hunt to the browns that's why those teams have a shot every week the titans have a shot every week regardless of who they play because of the running game same thing for the browns but what's going to elevate the titans and the browns is quarterback play and baker elevated his game to a level yesterday that we've been waiting to see him do more consistently ryan tanhill did not that's why the browns won yesterday point blank let's go to the phones we got jerry jerry how are you sir
2: Congratulations to all you Browns fans. I don't care what anybody says. That was a good win yesterday. Um, you want to call it a signature win, whatever. You went on the road against a playoff team, like you said, someone you're likely to see again, and you beat their butts. And, I mean, as far as the second half goes, look, man, you're up 38-7. to 7. You want to just chew clock, right? Even if you're running it three times, you're just chewing clock because you're, you didn't give them enough time to score enough points to get back in it. So that's absolutely a great
0: one for you guys. Well, Well, see, Jerry, let me stop you there for a second. Beating the Titans yesterday, it's not that they beat the Titans that I'm excited about. It's the way that they did it. Because up until yesterday, Baker has not proven that he can play, have a game like that against a quality opponent. And I'm going to go to the Facebook feed real quick with you on the air, Jerry. Doug Toby says, it's a good thing you weren't a general manager, Kenner, because uh, six or seven weeks ago, you were shopping Baker Mayfield. You might have amnesia about that. We might have to ask Kev. He'll probably remember. I remember it, and I just opened up the show, Kev. I looked right at you. I said at the beginning of the season, I had <laughs> doubts about Baker Mayfield because I feel like the run game is good enough to make the Browns a playoff contender. Any, I mean, if you have a good run game, every team has a shot. But the difference is you look at the teams that have a shot to win a Super Bowl, they all have great quarterback play. If you don't have great quarterback play, you're not in that conversation. So yes, about a month and a half ago, I was preaching that, hey, if the the, uh, Falcons are looking to move on from Matt Ryan, the Browns really need to seriously consider it because if you can't win with Baker Mayfield dropping back 30 plus times a game to give you a shot, then I'm not confident in the Browns no matter how many wins they have this season come playoff time. But what I saw yesterday, that's the type of play from Baker Mayfield that'll win you playoff games. So yes, I I'm acknowledging I said that weeks ago, and I'm not backing. I'm not backing away from that. Baker Mayfield improved his game. Now my stance has changed. That's how you do it.
2: Well, let's give credit to your head coach, who is you mean the coach a, of the year, who is putting in a game plan that is better suited to Baker. What's he not doing? He's not going four wide, right? He's not putting Baker in the shotgun. He's putting him under center, and you're running play action, right? And he's getting a deep drop. Mm -hmm. and the defense is sucking up, and you're getting big plays over the top, right? That's your coach putting your team and your player into situations where he can succeed, right? So, I I think your coach deserves a ton of credit here. I don't know, I'll be honest, I don't know if I've ever seen a head coach and a play caller ever make, as good adjustments and, and, and improvement in their play calling and matching it to the team that I have from Stefanski as the year has gone on. Does that make sense?
0: No, yes. And remember, and Kevin, I'll bring you back in on this too. Remember, mm-hmm. la- remember at the beginning of the season, I kept predicting that they're going to be about anywhere between 11, 12 win team. I said mm-hmm. 12. Forget 11. Yeah. 12. They're 12 back 12. on that pace, by the way, but that's besides <laughs> the point. That's besides the point. I said, and you said, the, you, said, and, it. And you, said you asked me why, and I said, Coaching. Coaching would mm-hmm. be the number one reason, because last year everyone said Baker was the problem. It was one re- one issue and one issue only, and that was Freddie Kitchens. Because once you get an adult in the room that knows how to coach and manage a team, and by the way, you've got to give a lot of credit to Baker Mayfield, who people label as an egomaniac. Kev, there's not a lot of quarterbacks who play a certain way that would be willing to accept a role that would put them in the back seats a little bit. Baker Mayfield has accepted a role that he is not going to have a big thumbprint on his team's success this year, but he's proving that when he's called upon, he can do it. That, there's a lot to be said about that, too, but Kevin Stefanski is why this team is also where they are at. They left a lot of wins on the table last year because they did not have good quality coaching. Jerry, you're right. I don't say that often, but, yes, coaching is the number one. This talent was here a year ago, more so now, but, Jerry, the biggest thing is coaching. That's the biggest difference between the Browns of 19 and the Browns of 20.
2: Me, too. One more point, and yep. then i got a question for you, and then I'll i Yeah, make go. it quick. So- so, OBJ, is the fact that OBJ not on the field, is that helping this situation, do you think? Possibly.
0: I think I think he's not uh, forcing it to him. I don't think he was forcing it to him to start the season. I, I think that right now what you're seeing is just a team that's getting better. As, I mean, right now we're playing in December. You want to be playing your best football right now. The Browns are a much better offense now than what they were in, in this, when the season started. The Browns were winning games with OBJ. They've won games without OBJ, and they've continued to get better each week. I think he makes it a little simpler in regards to Kevin Stefanski and Baker Mayfield aren't worried about calling plays to get OBJ enough touches to keep him happy, and Baker's not constantly trying to find OBJ out on the field. OBJ, he should not be labeled. If they move on from him, he should not be labeled with a with 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 the bad mojo here because it's not his fault here this team just seems to kind of run better without him but I think that if you plug him into next year with an experienced Baker Mayfield now I think that things will kind of go more smoothly so, maybe let's and my last
2: question and then I'll let you go okay. so you guys have to decide this year are you giving him the 50-year option at 25 plus mil a year
0: I think you give him the option at 25 to 28 mil I don't think Baker's earned anything more than that he deserves an extension you're winning games with him but he de- that's my big thing always extend. The Cowboys should have extended Dak, but they should not extend at a max deal when quarterbacks haven't earned it. Baker hasn't earned a damn thing right now other than the opportunity to keep playing with the Browns as long as he's not asking uh, for everything. And I don't think Baker's that dumb to ask for a max contract because I think he's realistic enough to know that he's not worth that max contract, at least right now. But let's say they win out This season, and they win a playoff game or two, all of a sudden we're talking about something much different. Not just winning because the running game's carrying you to wins and you're throwing the ball 20 times for 195 yards. I mean, 280 plus, limited interceptions, because it's not unrealistic to say zero, limited interceptions, and actually throwing touchdowns and being a part of the team's winning formula. But well, you got know, three you
2: know. more good defenses to go for the rest of this year in Baltimore, the Giants, and
0: Pittsburgh. So he's going to have plenty of opportunity to keep the momentum going. Absolutely. Jerry, thanks for the comment. appreciate it. All right, 4579464. Thoughts on any of what we just discussed right?
1: Um, there? one thing about Baker, um I've always said this for since we've been on the show talking about him is this is a show me season. Um I know everybody's very reactionary and we're so week to week, but I've been saying uh season show me throughout an entire season so i wouldn't jump off the ledge when he was in the wind tunnel games not throwing any touchdowns saying oh he's not the guy or the steelers game where he threw a pick six on his first pass i wasn't saying oh he's not the guy and I'm not going to say he's the guy after the Bengals game. And I'm not going to say he's the guy after this game versus Tennessee Titans. I, I agree I, with you. I yeah. think that the organization has said, like, you have to show me throughout a whole entire year and we'll reevaluate at the end of the year. And uh, probably at the end of the year, you'll come down to a situation where Baker is probably, you know, he's going to probably bet on himself. Like, he seems like that type of guy that has the, all the self-confidence in the world that he can overcome everything and play to, you know, maximum potential. And so I wouldn't see anything wrong with him betting on himself. So getting like a franchise tag next year and then try to go for the big bucks the year after that. So that's how I view it. I view it as a situation as, you know, we're going to reevaluate after the season. The season is not done. The Browns are in prime position to make the playoffs That nine. And what are they at now? This Nine, uh, and, three. nine and three, sitting at nine and three, second in the AFC North. In prime position for a playoff spot and to make a playoff run. All right, let's go back to the phones. Four five seven nine four six four. Who we have, Captain Charlie? Charlie,
0: what's up, man? How are you? Welcome in. What's
3: going on, Justin?
0: It's a great day to be me right now. It's a bad day to be a Baker hater. What's up? Oh
3: yeah. Bring uh, it. Hey. Bring it. Oh no no no! I told you, I told you about a week or so ago after Joe went down. I'm done with the trash talk. But uh. Man, I got it. I'm going to be straight up with you about the Cleveland Browns right now. Be straight up. I think Stefanski is uh, coach of the year.
0: Oh, Charlie, uh, when you come in the grade it's boring. You're boring me now.
3: Well, I just, sometimes, I don't want you to think, I just don't want you to think that I'll, I'm just call, always going to call and give you a hard time. Fair enough. No, okay. Then I'll take back my comment. We'll restart.
0: We got Charlie and Dayton with us. Charlie, welcome in, man. How are you?
3: We're restarting.
0: All right, all right. So No, Kevin Stefanski's been fantastic. I mean, I think, you know, right now all eyes are on Baker. It wasn't about how what Kevin Stefanski did with the Browns. I think the front office wanted to see how was he going to come in and coach up their number one pick from a few years ago. He's done about as good a job as any new coach run the league handling a new pro, or a new young quarterback like that.
3: You know what's so crazy is, as good as he is, the guy he's up against for Cuts of the year is freaking Bill Belichick, man. I mean, Bill Belichick, that's just like that, put, hanging forty-five on Chargers. But anyway, that uh, that trick play you guys ran with that offensive lineman for the touchdown.
2: Mm-hmm. Uh,
3: that's my favorite play of the year. That was that was the trickiest of trick plays. Like I, that was awesome, and that's the kind of stuff you guys can do. And, and Pittsburgh is like the kings of running like sneaky little trick plays you got to have them in your in your playbook and so to see Cleveland kind of doing that stuff I think what's going on right now is the slow rebuild of Baker Mayfield's confidence because it seemed like they kind of just let him cut it loose a little bit yesterday and man you know yeah, but, I, I saw it again
0: huh Charlie keep in mind too I'm glad you brought that up because that terrified like yesterday Baker's game yesterday terrifies me because the thing is Baker's capable of that but Baker I'd be seeing, this is where people are going to get annoyed with me. I was calling at the beginning that, hey, we need to see more of that, and now I'm afraid to see too much of that moving forward. They still need to make sure the run is the central focus of that offense. The reason Baker could do what he did yesterday is because all the attention was focused on the run. The play action was there yesterday. If they go out, if Baker goes out and tries to Patrick Mahomes the Ravens' defense next week, the Browns are in trouble. They need to make sure that they don't get too, like, they're excited, they have momentum going, that they don't try to unleash Baker on the Ravens. They need to slowly unleash Baker on the Ravens and let the Run game still be the focus, right, Kev? Like it's kind of like in basketball. Yeah,
1: that's, that's 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 on coach. That's you know, on the coach. You know. No, that's he's what I'm saying not, is I hope Baker not, is the case. Baker not out here drawing up plays in the sand himself. He's getting it radioed into his headset. Hey, we gonna run counter right, counter left, uh, or we gonna play action? Whatever pass he's running the plays that are called. He ain't out here. I hear Aaron Rodgers drawing up plays in the dirt, calling the offensive line at the, at, the, at the scrimmage. You know, what I'm saying he's not calling lines at the at the game. You know, he's he's running the offense that he's told to, and he's executing that and is getting victories, and that's the most important thing.
3: Yeah, I I just wonder if after all is said and done, and I think the last caller might have touched on it, is is the line going to forever be when Odell Beckham went out for the year? Like, is it from here on out, like, the Browns have established their identity? And they should, like, with, the fact that you guys have two stud running backs and you just pound the ball, that in that to me, that's the Browns. Like, my whole life, it, it just feels right. Like, doesn't that feel right to you? You're in the black and blue division.
0: Well, the identity, yeah, the identity needs to be up. the run game. Yeah, I agree with you. Like the, and even the Ravens. That's why Lamar Jack. Like when the Ravens went to that finesse team last year, it's just it's weird tuning into a Ravens game to watch a finesse offense. You're not used, you're used to seeing that grounded pound. Same thing with the Steelers. Steelers have been the best at finding the balance between both the bro- the grounded and pound and being able to beat you over the top. Uh, but no, you're right. So I think that the Browns need to continue to stick to their identity of being a running team. But what Baker proved yesterday is that hey, we're going to remain a running team. But I needed to see that for Baker yesterday to know that when push comes to shove, come tight game situations and playoffs against good teams, that he's capable of doing that, and he did that yesterday. It doesn't mean that it eradicates all this the failures that he's had up until this point, but you like to see him moving in the maybe you don't, but I like to see him <laughs> moving in the right direction. So we shall see. So.
4: Well, last last
3: thing, man. You know, being a Bengals fan, and those those five years, we went to the playoffs in a row. We never had that moment, I thought, where we kind of got over the hump, even though we went to the playoffs. And I think Cleveland's really got that opportunity right now, man. And and with uh, Pittsburgh not being able to really run the ball consistently, I think they got a shot, man. And, I mean, they're definitely going to the playoffs, and you're probably going to be playing Tennessee. So, you know, it's, it's only up and up, man. Hey, good for you.
0: All right, man. Good hearing from you. We'll talk later. All right. We'll see you. How about Charlie? How about this? See, by the way,
1: you feel good. I today, was thinking
0: yesterday, I was thinking of everything possible. <laughs> See? That they were going to say about Baker's game yesterday. Because after, I will never forget, my blood pressure was boiling after the Bengals win, which wasn't a big win. It was just a big performance from Baker that year. I couldn't even enjoy it without everyone crapping all over Baker. Oh, it's only the Bengals. It's only. I'm like, no, 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 no. no. I don't want to hear that. I don't want to hear that. Yesterday, I feel pretty good about it. Um, so there's that. Now, keep in mind, earlier I was talking about. Uh, the numbers for Baker Mayfield and when you look at you know everything that he has done up until this point like I keep feeling like Baker has struggled throughout this last month and a half but when you look at what he's been able to accomplish Kevin, how about this? This is from ESPN's Jake Trotter Since week 7, that matchup against the Bengals Baker Mayfield ranks 3rd in the NFL in yards per passing attempt trailing only Deshaun Watson and Patrick Mahomes Baker is 6th in QBR during that stretch and the Browns are 5-1 since the interception against Cincinnati, remember that play that Baker that OBJ was injured on, mm-hmm. and that pick wasn't even Baker's fault. That was like kind of you know bobbled all over the place. Baker Mayfield has eleven touchdowns and zero interceptions. We're heading into Week fourteen. He has not thrown an interception in seven weeks in a, more than a month and a half. Baker Mayfield outside of outside of last year, Jameis Winston. The next big guy that everyone made a joke about with the turnovers was Baker Mayfield. Mm-hmm. He's, you know, he had that fumble yesterday, which was crucial. I'm not going to sit there and ignore that. That was that was bad, and I was so bummed because I'm like, he's had such a masterful game. Of course, I was waiting for people to jump on that. But you're right, though. Like when you, I, I was like happy they had that big lead at the half, but I'm like, man, the problem is, is like. The Browns aren't gonna come out with that same intensity in the second half of the first just because natural you know, natural instinct is it's tough to come out as intense in the second half as the first when you're up by an entire game's worth the amount of points and touchdowns. So yeah, I knew it was gonna be a little comebacks bit dicey. Like that don't half.
1: happen in the NFL, man. The clock keeps running. You know, the clocks keep running on the first down. In college football, it stops. It stops every time you sneeze, it stops. So comebacks can happen in college football. Comebacks like that. That big of a league, it's not happening in the NFL, man. Like, I, I I, was never in jeopardy of losing that game. They were, they had that, man. Once at halftime, that big of a league, 30, was it, 31 points? Yeah. Not happening.
0: All right, folks. It's the Justin Kenner Show with Kev Nash. Send you out with a couple of Facebook posts here, and we'll get back to your calls on the other side. Reggie Brown says, go, or Reggie George, I'm sorry, says, go Browns. He said, Kev, I still want my beer. Hmm? Remember the Reggie Browns fan Reggie? You owe him a beer. Apparently from, a beer. from from some of Frickers last year. You made a bet with him. Did yeah. Trey Green on Facebook says the Browns are getting it done. Just wait until we get some snow—real football weather. Well, some of the worst games for the Browns as of late, even though they resulted in wins. Offense was stagnant during those some of those cold weather games. That was, you know, led to average play on both sides of the ball. Uh, David Shaw says that you are actually being humble about the Browns today. The Titans are one of the hottest teams in the NFL. I give the Browns credit, including Baker. Um, it's not. I mean, look. There was just a big win yesterday. It was a huge win. Now, if they had knocked off a team like the Packers or the Chiefs, I would be even more obnoxious than what I normally am. But that's still a huge <laughs> win. There's not a lot of big, you know, of good winning teams on the Browns' schedule. They finally took care of business yesterday for the first time since the Colts. They have another opportunity against the Ravens next week. The Steelers not too far off in the distance. And how about the Giants all of a sudden turning it on, Kev? Yeah, man. Here as of late. Um, so keep that in mind, too. I think that's going to be something interesting. Um, Tyler Shorty says So if the Titans win out. They're they're back to being a contender. Uh just that you lose a game doesn't mean No, Shrody, I've been consistent from the very beginning. There he is. Ryan Tanhill is why the Titans are not a Super Bowl contender. I said I said the, the Browns and the Titans are the same team. The running game for the Titans and the running game for the Browns are what what makes both of those teams playoff contenders. What is going to make both of those teams a threat in the playoffs is going to be quarterback play. And I don't have faith in Ryan Tanhill. And up until yesterday, I was a little bit hesitant on Baker Mayfield. Baker's going to have to have more of those games, but the first step is at least pr- proving you could do that in those big situations. Chad Penrod says, Baker Mayfield, with the little clapping emojis. Baker Mayfield kind of winning back some fans, so that's a good thing. Uh, do, 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 do. Chad also says, for the record, I think there's a 99% chance the Chiefs run it back, but the Browns are 100% for real and are the third or fourth best team in the AFC, depending on the Bills. And the Bills is who I have my eye on. They have a big one tonight against mm-hmm. the Niners. So we shall say I'm a big Niners fan tonight, by the way. All right, folks, <laughs> we'll be back in a moment. 457-9464, that's the number to call in and join in on the conversation. Kev Nash, Justin Kinner, we will be back in a moment on 1410 ESPN Radio. Go Browns.
5: Don't miss the Justin Kinner Show with Kev Nash. Weekdays at 3 p.m. on Dayton's ESPN Radio, 1410 Wing AM.
1: So you want to talk about ours? <laughs> <laughs>
0: Baker Mayfield. Depending on how Big Ben looks later today, I might name Baker the best quarterback in the AFC North. I'm feeling kind of dangerous myself today. How about that? Oh, Lord. How about that? You know, some Kendra hot takes coming at you live here on a Monday. It's the Justin Kinder Show with Kevin Nash, live here on Dayton's ESPN radio station, 1410 Wing AM. By the way, yesterday we're at Live out at Frankers for the Sunday morning tailgate show, and it was like we were in Cleveland. Now, I hear all the time from Bengals fans how this is a Bengals city. Well, I mean, you couldn't hear yourself think at Frickers yesterday on 741 by the Dayton Mall. And a couple of other friends of mine texted me that they're at some other Frickers, too. And they said, oh, yeah, it's like the dog pounded. I mean, I'm telling you. I'm not saying there's no Bengals fans. I'm just saying to act like, you know, when people tell me you bash the local team, that's my favorite. You bash the local team. It's Dayton, Ohio. We don't have an NFL team, <laughs> there is no local team. I mean, Cincinnati's the closest one, but I come across, I mean, you know how I many. One of my biggest enemies on this page is a friend of mine or an old friend, and Tyler Schroeder. He's all pissy just because the Browns See? beat his Titans. See, you should have made the bet. He was willing to bet you, but you were scared to bet. Nah, the, his misery is my victory, right there in itself. So you I haven't would, heard him say, "Hey, where's all the uh, where where is all the uh, Hills You know, is better than Baker stuff. It didn't look like that yesterday." <laughs> <laughs> you wouldn't bet me versus Steelers,
1: which turned out good in your favor. Let me ask you, you something.
0: You wouldn't if, bet him. Would, would you would would offer an alcoholic <laughs> a beer? I have a gambling problem. Would you
1: offer an alcoholic <laughs> a beer?
0: I didn't know that. Uh, not lately. I've been winning a lot lately. Uh, but uh, <laughs> my point is. No, like like Detroit. Shout out to Detroit out of the Horizon League. They won me some nice coin last week, by the way. Shout out to them. Okay, Michigan State. He got some massive money last night too, thanks to Notre Dame. So, anyways, besides the point, my ADD. Uh, you know. Oh, so uh, let's go back to this too, because I was waiting for this. Chris Schulp says, are the are Browns fans concerned that they only scored three points in the entire second half yesterday? Uh, no, I'm not concerned whatsoever. Look, the, the second half was a completely different ball game for the Cleveland Browns. Like that's why I told you earlier. By the way, it's not an excuse. I don't like that they only scored three points in the second half, but it wasn't a normal football game in the second half. When you have a significant lead like that in the first, it's hard. You don't have the same offensive or defensive approach to the second half. Your goal is to try to take as much time off the clock as possible. The Browns looked a little sloppy in the second half, but I promise you, you take the Chiefs and give them a four-touchdown lead in the first half, they're not going to look as crispy there in the second half. Maybe they put more than three points up because it's Patrick Mahomes, but give me a break. No, I'm not going to take the one thing. Like, people are trying to find, they're desperate to find one thing to try to water down what the Browns did yesterday. Absolutely not. I am not going to accept that as something to be concerned about moving forward.
1: No. I'm with you 100%. The way the game is played in the second half when you have a a 31 point lead is, you know, chew the clock and you play, you know, basically, for lack of a better word, prevent defense. Uh, Tennessee's going to score the ball, but the object of the game is to make them score the ball with a lot of time coming off the clock. And that's what the Browns did outside of that first drive of the second half where Tennessee scored in three plays. Everything else, you know, took up a lot of time on the clock. So the Browns did their job. They executed. You know, obviously you want to score more than three points. You want to score shoot. You want to equal the half that you just had. But realistically, that's not how it's going to work. And for better or worse, this is the NFL. This isn't college football where style points matter. You know, if this was a college football game, if this was Ohio State, we'll be pulling our hair out That Oh, man, we only scored three points in the second half. We let this team come back. We only won by six. How is it going to affect us in the polls? Mm-hmm. But this is the NFL. That stuff don't matter. You know what I'm saying? Power rankings, as much as we love to do them, they truly don't matter. As long as you make the playoffs, you have an opportunity to win the Super Bowl. And right now, the Browns are in prime position to make the playoffs and make a run for it.
0: Justin Kenner, Kevin Ash, with you here on 1410 ESPN Radio. Coming up in Hour 2, we'll get into some more college football discussion. This, uh, according to Pete Thamel with Yahoo Sports, says lots of optimism out of Michigan today that they are preparing to practice, which is a good sign for playing the Ohio State game. This was as about 1 o'clock earlier today. Since then, they, they have practiced. They are out on the field practicing. I don't know if it's limited or not. They don't have the full report in front of me. Uh, this is a very similar situation to last week. But four five seven nine four six four. Kevin, I'll get to your point in a moment. Sorry. Um, it's very similar to last week where Ohio State had some... Position groups out practicing while they were waiting to get the full group kind of back out on the field. Um, so we will see. It's going to be a fluid situation. I'm so I hate when people like <laughs> fluid situation, but it is. It's fluid situation for the Buckeyes game with that team up north. I, I mean, it's Michigan week, kind of right? Like, it is it technically is, but you know, so. There's Technically, yeah.
1: We, you know, Keith Byers was talking about it on his show today. You know, but it just feels different because, you know, that uncertainty of them actually getting the game in. So we're hoping that they can play on Saturday.
0: All right. So four five seven nine four six four. Man, I got all oh, my old basketball teammates just going at me right now. Look, Brian Sweeterman, you can't even let me enjoy. Uh, you, you, you can't. <laughs> yeah, that's what Ryan Payne said. Exactly. Brian Sweeterman says the Bengals beat the Titans too. Yes, they did. Yes they did. They upset the Titans. The Browns didn't upset the Titans. Transit yeah, properties not set, working today. I don't do the transitive properties. <laughs> you you are a fibber. That's not true, because if that's the case I would have been arguing how much better oh we got okay, so I see what you say. Uh no.
1: I how wait, hold up, I'm a fibber. Explain. You are a fan of transitive properties. We you and I I'm had a fan of ar- common sense. You, you and had I had this argument before about transitive properties if team a b string b then they're better than team c that's not real examples not a, i have no, i don't think
0: i use the transitive property for anything i wasn't even good at math in college or high school i dig up the audio see because you don't have examples you can't sit there and i dig me up the audio because apparently but, but you made it sound as if there was an example that has just been weighing so heavily on you that you had it ready like receipts you had this receipt you don't have receipts have, you
1: see this machine right here it uh-huh. records everything we say
0: not every time. Sometimes the internet's down. Sometimes, you know, nothing works in this damn place. So I highly doubt that you can go back and find it. Touche. So I'm just saying, but I'm sure. I'm sure. Ay ay. All right. Uh, Tyler Shorty says, the Titans, Browns in the playoffs, I'm ready for it. I'm, I'm telling you right now, like, the AFC playoffs are going to be fantastic. Until the Browns lose, and then I'm going to check out and then move on to basketball season. <laughs> but until then. DoorDash Ray, what is up, my friend? How are you, sir? Woo! How about the Browns yesterday? How about the Cleveland Browns, man? How about Brown. your Raiders getting lucky yesterday? Lucky. Greg Williams got fired right I after I saw that. The Cleveland Browns, I you mean, know.
4: Well, yeah, but the first two downs right there, they had everybody back. They had their recovery like they should have done. And me, my wife and I are both thinking, oh, my God, we're going to win this game. They have one person, no deep safety. Man, how awesome was that. But, no, listen, as a Browns fan, Justin, you you hoot, you holler. Man, you have a good time with this because as a Raider fan and as Browns fans know, it's been a long time since we've been in this position, so... I know you got the Ravens coming up, dude, but don't press that. Don't worry about it. Hopefully we're both going to get in these playoffs this year. And like you just said, AFC playoffs are going to be an adventure this year, man. And I'm loving every minute of it. And, look I, look, I don't, I would never normally tell a Browns fan, hey, good job. But, look, I'm just on board with you guys this year because I know how it feels to have a losing team year after year after year. Let's enjoy this ride. Let's have fun with this. And I'm pulling for you guys. I really am. Now, I mean, you guys are making
0: it hard today. I've been taking shots at you guys before you even get any word out. And then you guys say nice things about the Browns. Can you tell him a little? You could tell him a Browns fan. I'm always mm, on the defensive. Mm, because poor Charlie called in earlier to actually say something positive about the Browns. And I made sure to take a right and a left hook towards him. And then he was saying nice things. We had to reset the call. So I take back my Raiders jab at you. You know, that wasn't a lucky win. That was a good quality win. So we're starting yeah, over. Good job. Thing, though, here's the
4: thing, though. You got the Ravens. We have the Colts coming up this week. And both these games are huge for us. So we'll see how good we are. Um, you know what I mean? Oh, yeah. I, I, think, I think we're going to be just fine. But let's not get too excited. But, hey, let's have fun with this because I'm excited just about these wins. And now we're we're stacking them up. Past, past years, look, we're, we're lucky to win four or five games. This year, I'm just having fun. So I'm on board with you guys. I'm pulling for you this week. Love you guys. And uh, have a good day. We'll
0: talk to you later. DoorDash, right. Take care, buddy. Appreciate the call. 457-9464. All right. I'm going to try and be... Calmer headed now. Moving. Yeah, forward.
1: man. People being nice to you, you can't I'm even accept it. I'm not used to it. i no,
0: I Told you before. when People come up to me out and about and say nice things to me. Like I, I it's like I'm almost like wanting people to come up and say, "Oh, I hate you. I hate your show." You do. Thank you. And I, but like, it makes me happy for some reason. But then when people come up and say, "Man, I love the show," you know what I always say? Oh, I'm sorry. Like I'm like, I don't know what I'm supposed to say. I'm not. I'm not used to you know people saying nice things about me today. Some guy said today because he didn't like where. And we're gonna get to our college football playoff polls in a moment. I had the Bearcats too low on my top 10 apparently because this guy right away oh you know you're the worst uh he said i'm the worst and he said that something about me looking like santa's elf and i'm like oh (laughs) a short joke how original i told him i was overweight make sure to get the fat joke in next time too i mean my goodness and you know it is what it is bottom line you know but i'm just saying people get so angry about that stuff who we got up next we are reggie browns fan reggie reggie what's up man all right, go brown. Go brown. See, I like okay, that a little bro. bit more. You're saying it with your chest this week.
6: I like it. Lots of confidence. Okay, it's just so, oozing
0: out of you. I like it.
6: All right, so first of all, I'm going to get this off my chest now. Sam, that bet was from last year. Okay. Now, to make this easier, <laughs> you can just you know, just you know, for me like ten bucks and now I just call the deal and I'll just buy the beer. <laughs> you no. Know, that just ended like that. You wanna just go with that? I got, I'm trying to remember what the
1: bet was because I'm not like the okay, big well, gambling well, person. See, he can't be a the, the property. He couldn't remember either. He can't remember. I definitely that. got you. Once the world opens back up and everything like that, I got you. Don't what, what we drinking on? It
6: is Bud Light.
1: Bud Light. See, I can't
6: even remember what you drink, Doc. Yeah, yeah. Bengals Browns game from last year. Got so, it. So um, that, but then also, you know, yesterday's game, you know. I was, I was sitting here, I was hyped, you know, watching everything Baker was doing. He was doing smart plays and everything. Running, they kind of stopped the running game a little bit, but, you know, it kind of sort of picked up. But, you know, I look at it to where defense defense was okay. Could be a little bit better. You know, Miles Garrett did coming back, but he did get a sack yesterday. Um, a lot of teams, I told, I told y'all guys, this team – is a sleeper team, you know, especially when it comes to the playoffs.
0: Well, when they've been winning by like ten to seven and stuff, they've been a very sleeper team. They've been boring to watch the last couple of years. They
6: were finally exciting a couple of weeks in a row. But here's here's the thing about this team: come the playoffs, they're going to be that sleeper team, you know, depending on who they get. If they're going to be very quiet and sneak their way through, mm-hmm. and a lot of people going to be shocked and surprised about that because. One, we're about to end that longest drought at 18 years. And then second second of all, like like you said earlier, that Frickers, you know, that Frickers there, we've been changing it to a Browns location. You know, for the longest, it's all been Bengals and everything like that. But that's a Browns location now. You know, you might have a little few other teams here and there, but that's a Browns location now. I'm with You you. You know, you look at it to where either myself, Steve, are there or whatnot. Oh, uh, Reggie, real quick, you.
0: I got to interrupt you because a typical Bengals fan here. I mean, typical, <laughs> just typical. I mean, my goodness, you know, Chris Shawp. come the playoffs, the Browns will be one and done. This is the same guy a year ago. They won't win anything with Baker Mayfield. Now they're winning games. Now in the playoffs. They won't win a game in the playoffs. The Browns will win the first playoff game. They won't win game two in the playoffs. The Browns will win a Super Bowl. They won't win back-to-back Super Bowls. Browns going to win 10 straight mother-effing Super Bowls. They won't win 11 straight Super Bowls. Chris Schal- Schal- schlop, whatever the hell we called you, go away. I don't need that negativity on today. It's a good day. The Browns are 9-3 and three and going to the playoffs. They haven't clinched it yet, but they're about to. Butch, by the way, the Bengals yesterday officially have been mathematically eliminated from the playoffs. Just thought I'd throw that out there.
6: <laughs> Lord. That is interesting. Absolutely. Go
0: Reggie, go Browns. Go Browns. Good stuff. Browns 9-3, and three, baby. And if it wasn't for the stupid Steelers having this weird, like, the one year that the Browns decided to play really good football, the Steelers, like, the worst undefeated team of all time heading into December. It's unbelievable. I can't wait for when Washington beats them, and then the Browns are within two games as we head into the final four weeks. That's going to be interesting, because the Browns, the Steelers are going to lose to the Bills coming up in a few weeks. They'll be lost number two, and then it might set, it's going to set up something kind of interesting come that last week of the regular season. I cannot wait.
1: You're staring at me, man. Because you're a Steelers fan, and I feel what bad What do you want you. me to do? You've been, cruise, you've been I on don't, cruise control. I'm, I don't all play. All side, like, you're I do driving,
0: you look in the rear view, you're like, that? who's that coming up fast on me? And you keep driving. Next thing you, know, you look again, it's getting closer. Yeah, it's called the Kansas City Chiefs. And then all I say, oh, hell no. <laughs> Chiefs ain't going to win the AFC North. The Browns are going to come speeding on right on past you. In fact, I put $5 on the Cleveland Browns to win the AFC North the other I day. I'll take that bet. Unless you could pay me three hundred, like I can oh, get you, on my you, side. I thought
1: you
7: were betting me. I'll,
0: I'll bet you I'll bet you find me.
7: five five bucks. Okay,
0: real hard hitter right here, but five bucks.
1: Hey, little gas tank money. That's the most boring
0: bet of all time. But hey, the payout oh, hey. was good online. Whenever I found that one, so there's that. We'll be back in a moment. More of the Justin Kinner show with Kev Nash when we come back. Go Browns.
6: to a world of exclusive entertainment, including ad-free music channels for every genre and decade. You can also hear your favorite sports, comedy, talk, and news. Plus, you can stream with The Serious Show live here on
5: ESPN Dayton.
6: i we't going to let you get it twice.
0: Oh, well, there's that. <laughs> we welcome you back, everybody. It's the Dustin Kinder Show with Kev Nash, live here on 1410 ESPN Radio. The number to call in, 457-9464. Couple news, notes, headlines around the world of sports. How about this? The Cincinnati Reds are well, making a little ruffle in the off season. We have seen the last of Iglesias with the Cincinnati Reds. Of course, talking about, uh, you know, Rocio Iglesias has been traded along. Um, so the let me just reset here. That was a horrible start. Let me set this. So the Cincinnati Reds have moved on from Rocio Glacius. The Reds and Angels exchange relievers. The Cincinnati Reds, according to Nick Kroll, their new general manager, announced the acquisitions of right-handed pitcher Noah Ramirez and a player to be named from the Los Angeles Angels for, uh, for An- of Anaheim for right-handed pitcher Rocio Iglesias and cash. Um, what's interesting there, is I think you know what to get in return with Ramirez. It's really not about the quality of talent they get back, which is not horrible. Um, but I've saw so many people angry today about the Reds moving on from Rossio Glacius. I've been here. Reds fans have been blowing Rossio Glacius up on social media for the last two years because you just he makes you hold your breath every time he's in in late game situations. Now he did improve towards the tail end of this past year, which was a part of the, that final run that put the Reds in playoff contention. But the Reds have finally moved on from him. Here's why I'm not going to panic. I saw Mo Egger tweet out earlier today, well, you can't, you know, can't knock the you can't not, you can't say the Reds have a bad bullpen when they don't even technically have a bullpen right now. <laughs> They've moved on from a lot of their bullpen guys this offseason. I'm not going to panic. I think that they're reshuffling some things with trying to set up some money to be able to go get a D.D. Gregorius to potentially get that trade pulled off for Trevor Story or Lindor. I think it's a long shot right now. I mean, I, some reporters are saying that the Reds are just they're trying to dump as much money as possible, that the talks of them potentially moving Sonny Gray is real, oh, wow. that they are heavily trying to load up the farm system again and i said see this is why the reds frustrate me if you're a reds fan it's like you've got to kind of deal with this cycle of they're going to go all in to load up the farm system build up for a couple years be competitive for one two or three years if they don't win anything with it get rid of those pieces trade for prospects start it all over again if you are a reds fan you're promised one good two to three year stretch per decade we had it in the early 2010s. I really hope we didn't just experience it for one year in 2020 with your Reds. Um, they still have Castellanos, they still have Mustakas, they still have Eugenio Suarez. Obviously, Tre- you know Trevor Bauer reports today that he's really interested in the New York Mets. Why wouldn't he be? They're going to make him a very very rich man. I think we've seen the last of him, unfortunately. But I still like the Reds' chances if you have Sunny Gay and Sunny Sunny Gay Sunny Gray. Uh, you know, as the ace of your staff, and Luis Castillo has been fantastic. I don't have an issue with that. Is it better than last year? No, but those are still two quality pieces. The Cubs have unloaded everything. The Pirates are still a disaster. The Brewers are average. The Cardinals are your tip. You know, they're the Spurs of the, of right. the Major League Baseball. The Spurs have been down lately, but you see my point. They're just that organization that no matter what they do, they always seem to, to have it together. The Reds are still okay. I'm not going to freak out about moving on from Iglesias until I figure out what the big picture plan is as far as attacking the shortstop position. Are they going to use some of the money that they saved by moving on from Iglesias
1: to go get a shortstop? Shortstop, we shall see. But isn't that how most baseball organizations work? They, you know, they go in their little run or whatever, and then once it does or doesn't work, they tear everything down and try to rebuild. Outside of what the Red Sox and Yankees and the Dodgers, like I think that's everybody's move. I think they just depend on it's the a, guys but that it's they hire. Yeah,
0: but the small. But I'm just saying, from the 162 game season. The other reason I think he's going to make bank right now. And cash in on it, Kev, long term, is because I think Trevor Bauer probably knows, just like Steve said, he may not have done that for a full 162 game season. So the fact that you were able to have that great year in a shortened season, it could be fool's gold for a team out there that's willing to pay him. I like Trevor Bauer. His personality drives me nuts. It's too much me, me, me for for baseball, but you know what? Big picture, I think that's what baseball needs, but that's an argument for later. I don't mean, he's not coming back to the Reds. He's going to get a longer-term contract, and I do believe um, that that could potentially be um, the New York Mets. When the Reds had him right after the the Cleveland trade, he was over, uh, he had a ERA over six. Oh, absolutely. Marty Brenneman came on the show mm-hmm. and absolutely ripped him. Um, Bauer couldn't stand Marty Brenneman because Marty Brenneman was really critical of Trevor Bauer. Um, For that one half season, he was with, you know, the back half of that season after the trade uh, with Cincinnati, went after Marty Brenneman saying that the worst part about baseball is critical announcers. Well, Marty Brenneman, who joined me on the show over the summer, said, Well, Trevor Bauer knew better than anybody (laughs) just how critical I was because his ass was in the dugout by the third inning after getting his ass handed to him. That was Marty Brenneman saying that. Those two went back and forth. They couldn't stand each other. So, yeah, Bauer's introduction to Cincinnati wasn't great. Who do we have, Kev? 457.464. Keith, welcome in. How are you? What's going
5: on, Jeff? How you doing, sir? Good, yourself? My question is I'm good. Why are the Reds like this? Like, I think I look at, I'm a St. Louis fan, been a St. Louis fan forever. Like, St. Louis doesn't have these, they, it's the same market pretty much. Neither team is like Yankees or Red Sox. Mm-hmm. But St. Louis consistently stays, I mean, they get seven out of ten years. Like I say, the Reds get two out of ten. I don't understand why. Like, they have the market. There's plenty of people around this area, Kentucky, West Virginia, who love the Reds. It is, they're never good. Like more than like, like say a year or two. It's just I don't understand. I really don't understand. They're forty-seven years old. I'm like, why? Do, why can't they be good? Like at least half the dang century. I mean, a uh, decade.
0: I do believe, and I feel bad for the Castellini family for this, I do believe that they had financially got their franchise set up to where they could have been a little bit bigger players in the free agent market. They proved it last year. I feel horrible for the Reds the way I do a lot of teams from the biggest businesses to even the smallest local businesses here in our community that have been impacted by COVID. We mock, we mock professional sports all the time and say, oh, I'm not going to feel sorry for the billionaire you know, owners and these you know, multi, you know, these big-time million-dollar you know entities that are these teams, but... The bottom line is, just when they had the organization set up to where they were comfortable spending money in the free agent market, COVID comes in and totally just takes their feet out from underneath them. I think that's, that's why true. you're seeing this in-between stage. The Reds know they have a roster that if they just add one more or two more pieces, that they can take their team to the next level. But financially, it doesn't make sense because they're going to be reeling from COVID for the next couple of years mm-hmm. from all the money they lost this season. So I feel bad that they finally took that step forward to be aggressive, getting Castellanos and, and mustakos And then COVID yeah. hits. But at the same time, fans aren't going to be as understanding, and I think that that's they're stuck between a rock and a hard place. They got to do what makes sense business wise for them. But I've always argued: is pissing off your fans good business? And it always seems teams always seem to go in that direction and just say, "Deal with it." And there's nothing we can do about it. We can't, we can't say we're just not going to go to games anymore because COVID's already made that decision for us. So. <laughs> yeah, it like to you games know, anyway. One thing I was going
5: to ask, I didn't get to listen to any of the show because you know that whole work thing interrupts you know, the start start thing. What? What about Greg Williams yesterday? What do you what call is that? We're going to split everybody into the I mean, that's the definition of paint.
0: Well, here's why well, I have well, no I problem. I have no problem with what he did because what he's no, I mean, doing is what the team's been doing all year, trying to lose. <laughs> why does Adam Gase still have a job? Because the organization. They're, they're keeping Adam Gase in that position because he's actually doing what they want him to do, and that's continuing to lose games. That's all Greg Williams was doing. Hey, man, we're about I'm to screw this up like and an win it. What? I mean the players
5: has gotta be like, Oh I'm sick of it. It's like you're young you're young players. I mean they are like, man, I
0: don't wanna play with these guys and most guys are garbage. Do you Impressive. remember did you ever watch the movie <laughs> Semi Pro? Yes, yes. Do you remember when yes, when, when yes. Jackie promises everyone corn dogs if they score over 100 <laughs> points and yes. and Jackie's telling Vakitis, don't miss the or don't make the free throw don't make the free throw and then he makes the free throw and he goes dang it Vakitis!" and then he goes off on him because that that's what I feel like Greg like they were telling Greg Williams don't hit the free throw don't hit the free throw and yes. he actually listened. Everybody. Yeah. Everybody. Corn dogs, Jackie, corn dogs for all these people. That's what that reminded me of yesterday. They were Jackie Moon was telling Greg Williams lose us this game damn it. We don't we can't afford to win. That's exactly what happened yesterday.
5: I was just watching that like, okay, Ruggs, Rus doesn't do much of anything. I mean, he's just fast. And what do you think? they're going? I was just like, wow. As a Browns fan, I was like, damn it. I want the Raiders to lose as much as possible because I just increased the Browns' chance of making the playoffs. And I'm like, Adam Gates and Craig Williams just beat this.
0: It's uh, unreal. And Adam Gates wakes great. up employed today. Good for him. Good yeah, for him. But paid. he's that's doing that's a good paid. job. He's doing what is on his you know job exactly. description. Lose games. But hey, great hearing from yeah. you, man. Appreciate Brown. it. Go Browns. Good stuff. Four five seven nine four six for Justin Kinner. Uh Kev Nash with you here. But yeah, the Reds, I don't know I'm not everyone's freaking out saying they're having a horrible off season. I don't think they're having a horrible off season until the off season's over, Kev. We like, like, you can't say they've had a bad offseason. Well, they didn't re-sign Trevor Bauer. We all knew they weren't going to be able to re-sign Trevor yeah, Bauer. Yeah,
1: he's not coming back because somebody's going to give him nearly three hundred million dollars.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So the Reds weren't going to do that. They're not in the position to do that. So it is what it is. The you Reds just chalk it up as a loss. Keep in mind the situation changed. The
0: Reds did not trade for the best pitcher in baseball. Right. He ends up leaving the Reds as the best pitcher in baseball, as of right, right now. Garrett Cole's pretty damn good. He was just mm-hmm. injured. But you see what I'm saying. My point is is that the circumstances changed When they traded for Trevor Bauer, Trevor Bauer was supposed to just be a solid piece that they could put in the rotation. Now, all of a sudden, he became this nice. Garrett Cole-esque figure, and it's like he pitched his way. That's why as the season was going on and he was pitching better and better, Kev, I was bummed. I was like... Uh, he's pitching his way right out of Cincinnati. By the way, if you really want to motivate someone to play well in Cincinnati, you allow them to play well enough to get themselves out of Cincinnati because they know they ain't going to get paid there. But no, I don't think the Reds have had a bad off season. There's not one thing that they have done that we didn't expect them to do. Now, if they trade Sonny Gray away, I'll be a little frustrated. I'll be a little frustrated. So... 457 four five seven nine four six four Justin Kendrick Kev Nash with you here how about this one Kev Steve Cameraman on Facebook also says off topic but did you see my alma mater Ohio University with a 40-0 run on Cleveland State yesterday? yeah I
1: saw that man ouch 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 I know they got that one kid that's from Florida who was a a walk-on basically and now he's like one of the best players in the Mac man crazy numbers crazy like I was uh, I saw the screenshot of that and it's pretty remarkable.
0: 40-0 run. A 40-0 run. In fact, what was the... I have it on my phone. I, t- I did take a screenshot of it too, like you talked about, Kev. It was pretty impressive when you look at what the score was. So it was in the first half... Or with a minute 27 to go in the first half, Kev, it was 46-25. to 25. Ohio had a lead over Cleveland State. Mm-hmm. One twenty-seven to go in the first half. In the second half, this run extends into the second half... Forty-six twenty-five 25 with 127 in the first half. In the second half, with 8.23 to go, it was 86-25. to <laughs> They went on a 40-0 run. The longest run in the history of college basketball. That's pretty impressive.
1: That's going to hurt your feelings. It's going to hurt your feelings.
0: Um, and... Dayton Flyers uh, to their athletic director and everyone who handles scheduling. That's Cleveland State out of the Horizon League. I know that sounds pretty impressive, right? A 40-0 run. You should probably get them on the schedule. I heard they put NKU on the schedule for tomorrow night.
1: <laughs> I'm just saying. Really challenging themselves, right? Uh, the kid I was talking about, uh, Jason Preston, he was like a walk-on. Basically, he went to uh, college as just a regular student, and then he went to JUCO, and now he ended up at oh, yeah. Ohio University playing ball on a scholarship. Man, pretty cool.
0: Yeah, Keith Tolliver says Bobcats balling, baby. I didn't know we had all these Bobcat fans in the area. So shout out to that. But yeah, 40 to 0 oh, run. I've never seen anything like that. That that that's pretty impressive. Dennis Gates, the head coach of Cleveland State, does a great. Dennis Gates, by the way, does a great job. He was coach Coach of the Year last year out of that conference mm-hmm. uh, with Scott Nagy from Wright State by the way um, look, I don't know how good a team they have this year it's easy to say they're bad they're 0-2 right now we don't know much about them we don't know much about any team at this point right? Um, you have U D, who they're one and one to start the season. I've I've never seen a matchup more even than U D and S M U this past Saturday, Kev. I mean, mm. it was weird. Like they were so dead evenly matched up. Like it almost looked like a bad basketball game because they were like mirrored images of one another. They literally, it was uncomfortable. They made each other uncomfortable. It was a fun game to watch. It came down to the you know final shot. It's unfortunate, of course, that. You had, uh, you know, SMU come away with that win, but that's frustrating, uh, a loss for them. Again, Jalen Crutcher, I still think trying to figure out his his role. We Mm -hmm. talked about him last week. I've argued before, did Crutcher make Toppin or did Toppin make Crutcher? I think we're right now, two games in, it looks like Obi Toppin made Jalen Crutcher more comfortable on the floor. but. I would be more comfortable running an offense on the floor with Obi Toppin. <laughs> to be fair to Jalen, he doesn't have an Obi Toppin right now. He's trying to figure out how to play extended minutes with Ibby Watson uh, right. and with those guys. So I think Jalen will be fine. But I think we had way too much uh, pressure on him talking NBA and all that stuff coming into the yeah, season. Yeah, it's, he, it's a know. tough
1: season for everybody, you know, with the lack of playing time. You know, you got to think about it. This isn't how it was back in the day where you know these college basketball players show up on campus in September with the rest of the student body and then they start practicing. With their teammates like in October and everything like that, and then you know, they're throwing on the court. Nowadays, like they're practicing and playing with each other all summer long. Yeah. Like they got team workouts. Some some schools take trips overseas to play other professional leagues and things like that. And all these college basketball players have been robbed of that thanks to COVID nineteen. So just like in college football and in the NFL, it's taken a while for people to get their feet wet. It's going to take some time in college basketball as well. And us as fans, we have to recognize that and realize that, that it's going to take a while for them to get their feet wet and get into the rhythm. And that's what basketball is. Basketball is a rhythm sport.
0: Justin Kenner, Kevin Ash with you here on 1410 ESPN Radio. Speaking of the Dayton Flyers, they will be back in action tomorrow night, 7 o'clock at UD Arena. They welcome in Northern Kentucky out of the Horizon League at 7 p.m. Uh, Tip-off there. Just a reminder, the game will be televised on Spectrum News 1 and streamed on ESPN Plus, so keep that in mind. I was frustrated over the weekend when I found out they put NKU on the schedule. Flyers fans need to understand, I can absolutely despise how they schedule and not hate the team. I don't hate the team. I truly despise the childish antics from that athletics department when it comes to scheduling Wright State, like you're going to put NKU on. Here's what I need you defense to understand. Just hear me out on this. I, I, we need to split it down the middle here. I can despise Neil Sullivan's scheduling philosophy and not hate the team. I do not hate the team, but I will continue to attack the scheduling childish approach that he and Anthony Grant and the Flyers have towards Wright State. I will point that out all the time. If that bothers you, I apologize. I'm sorry. I can say the Flyers are great and still think that the childish antics between Anthony Grant and Neil Sullivan and the athletic director and everyone there is It's childish. It's it really is. I mean, do you run the team or do boosters run the team? You got to be, you got to, you know, are you the man in charge or are the boosters in charge? Because you need to figure it out. The childish antics against Wright State is getting old. Mm-hmm. It really is. If there was ever a time, there have been multiple opportunities to make that game happen. The Oregon District shooting, a game for charity, it was approached by Wright State. They got shot down for that. I think that, that that's wrong. I think that's messed up. You want you, if, that, if that couldn't get the two teams to come together to play a game in this mm-hmm. city, Nothing will. So I shouldn't be surprised. I'm just going to continue to point out the hypocrisy in that university for not playing them. They're welcoming in AK- NKU tomorrow. NKU is in the 200s in the Ken Palm rankings. Now, I bring that up because NKU has been one of the top teams in the conference the last couple years. They have actually won the conference three the last four years, or they've been to the NCAA tournament three the last four years, I mean. It's been them and Wright State battling it out at the top of this conference. NKU is down this year. They're like fifth or sixth best team in the conference. And then they wait to put them on the schedule. So now I see all the tweets on social media saying, hey, you know what? Oh, there's a good quality opponent. You know, it's been them and Wright State. NKU is Wright State. No, Wright State's still the face of this conference. <laughs> Enver said one bad thing about them outside of calling them out for not playing Wright State. I'm sorry about that. That hurts your feelings. I don't know what to tell you. It's wrong. I'm telling you straight up, it is wrong. We just watched the Crosstown shootout this past weekend. It's embarrassing. As exciting as a rivalry as that is over there, why that mm. can't be done here. And the only reason is is because, oh, well, boosters. Oh, well, we've got to pay for those those new leather seats on those seats in the arena somehow. So we give me a break. That matchup needs to happen. I don't care if it's, a, it's the same song and dance with me every day. I get it. People are tired of hearing me talk about it, but I'm going to continue to talk about it until the day that it happens. But we had Anthony Grant on the show last year. I asked him if Wright State had picked up the phone. If Bob Grant picks up the phone and says, can we do this matchup, would you do it? Now I get this whole spiel about, well, you know, we, if it fits into our model of trying to make the NCAA tournament and yada, yada, yada. Wright State is right there in that Ken Palmer, you, know, you know, right there on the fringe 100, but they're playing all these teams in the two and 300s, and you're trying to convince me that those matchups are better than playing a team as competitive as Wright State. Eastern Illinois, who they just played, was like ranked 160-something in the Ken Palm. Wright State sitting around 114. Eastern Illinois is better; has a better shot at helping you get to the NCAA tournament. I mean, that that's the stuff that really so, just irritates me. So real
1: quick, me. so real quick. So for people that don't know, what is the Ken Palm rankings?
0: Well, for, hold on, real quick. So asked him about that last year. He says, well, you know, it it is. He says he helps make the schedule. Then he deflected it and said it's Neil Sullivan that makes the schedule. And then it just went back and forth. By the way, great program. I'm not bashing the program. Just because I'm bashing this, I'm getting hate right now sent to my private page here. And it's like unreal. I can hate that they don't schedule them and not hate the team. I don't hate the team. There's the, the success. You can't knock the success. They were the number three team in the country last year. I'm not knocking the team. I just think it's weak. It's a weak move. To not schedule right state, especially this year of all years, you can't tell me. You can't complain to the fans and say, oh, man, we're having a real hard time getting games in when you're part of the reason. And, again, it sounds like the same clip from the show we did weeks ago. But it's (laughs) going to sound the same moving forward until they finally put them on. I'm done. I'm off this little soapbox here. But NKU, UD, tomorrow. The arena, 7 o'clock. When they blow NKU out, I don't want to hear anyone say that's what they would have done to Wright State. NKU and Wright State aren't equal this year. Hey, Not they, even close.
1: Hey, I got to tell you this. If they weren't going to say it, they're going to say it now because you gave them the thought.
0: <laughs> no, like, you know, it, it's unreal. Four five We'll be back in a moment. Money Mayweather's coming back. Mm-hmm. Yep, I actually think this is really exciting for boxing. I don't know if it's a good, or, is it a good or a bad thing for boxing? That the most popular things for boxing as of late, outside of the uh, outside of the um, Tyson Fury match, you know, back in February,
1: mm-hmm.
0: is it a problem for boxing that the the trends now are these big exhibition cards that are drawing more buzz and excitement than the actual current fighters in today's sport?
1: Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I could easily say, like, oh, man, because I still watch boxing and everything like that. No, it can't be, but in all actuality, it is, because that's what people are talking about. People are talking about the potential of another Tyson-Holyfield exhibition match. They're talking about, obviously, with Floyd Money Mayweather taking on uh, Logan Paul in February and everything yep. like that. They're not talking about Danny Garcia fight on Saturday night, which I was watching, you know, and he, he went up against... Uh, or, Elroy, and it was a great fight, and I was locked in. But me and the small batch of friends that still watch boxing, we're the only ones talking about it. So yeah, you're right. This, but this is what brings the attention: these exhibition fights now.
0: Yeah, we'll get into this more coming up in a moment. Because the thing is, I'm not saying that there are not good boxers in the sport today. There are. We've talked about. I talk about this all the time. Just like in golf, there are great golfers. There are, in fact, from a depth perspective, there's, there are more great golfers today then 10 15 20 years ago but there's just no Tiger Woods in today well there technically is but you see my point there is no Tiger Woods in of golf today that right. carries the sport i mean tiger does but you know you know what i'm saying my point is is that there's always going to be People that are good at what they do. There's always going to be good boxers. There's going to be good golfers. But if you don't have that star power, it doesn't matter. Baseball. There's great baseball players in the game today. Statistically, it's the deepest the sport's ever been. But statistically, it's also the least viewed the sport's ever been. So that's why I'm like, people act like, oh, talent is what really is what going to get people tuning in to watch. That's not the case. You need stars. And boxing, I think, I'm not saying it's a bad thing. I mean, it's great. We're talking boxing. I think that that's a great thing. But I think that the fact that the paul brothers have gotten so much attention right. lately i i feel like is some professional boxers today are feeling disrespected the, the the paul brothers have gotten more love and attention not love because i can't stand either one of them but they've gotten they've been more having more pub than half of the great boxers in the sport today but we'll get into that coming up here and now we're three. Let's go back to the phones. 457 Justin Kenner, Kevin Nash with you here. It's the Justin Kinner Show on Dayton's ESPN radio station, 1410 Wing AM. Uh, who do we have? We have Bob in Riverside. Bob in Riverside, welcome.
7: Hey, what's up, fellas? What's up? How are you, hey, man? First of all, before I talk about the Flyers, but hey, congrats. As a Bengals fan, congrats to the Browns. The Browns are looking good. Um, I, I don't root for them but I have to say I'm not rooting against them. I don't know where that puts me. I'm not a Browns fan, so that, let's, not, let's not confuse that. <laughs> I'm not rooting against them, though. Uh, they look pretty good, so that's uh, that's good. Hey, uh, on, on the UD thing, I just want to hit on this real quick. First of all, as a UD fan, a lifelong UD fan, I'm not jonesing to see a Wright State UD game. I mean, I don't care. If they played them, that would be good. If they don't, that's okay. The same way that I feel about... Uh, you know, UD playing Xavier. You know, I know a lot of UD fans but man, we need to get Xavier. I don't care nothing about Xavier. I don't care nothing about Ohio State. I do agree with you, though, in this pandemic, when UD can't find anybody to play and everybody's calling out with COVID, you got somebody in your backyard, that would seem like a logical hit, you know, to call over the right State and say, hey, why don't we get together and play this game? That, I, I will totally agree with you on that scenario.
0: Okay. And keep in mind, it's not just a matter of It's not that they're not picking up the phone over to Wright State. They're not even answering the phone when they receive a call. And people say all the time, "Well, Wright State needs to just focus on themselves." Wright State's not losing sleep about this in regards to that, but it does catch their attention when they effort to get it, when they're doing the right thing of trying to schedule closer games, and they have a school just you know twelve, thirteen miles away, and that school um, is not answering the phone. I just find that childish, and it's not. I just don't get it. There's like the the your typical scheduling practices should not be put into place during a pandemic right now, um, and They would rather play teams from hours and hours away than someone who's just right across the street. A good quality opponent, right? State's not the bottom of their conference. They are the face of their conference right now, and it's a good challenge and it's a good resume addition to their schedule. It just makes no sense. They're just acting like a bunch of children. Bottom line, doesn't make them a bad program. I just I'm calling them out consistently on this because I think it's wrong. Period.
7: I, I I agree. Now let me let me uh, throw out this scenario to you. Okay. I I think now this is just you know my feeling. I don't know. I don't have any inside information. I think the only way. That Dayton would play. Really, if, if Wright State wanted to call their bluff, the only way that you would do that is to say, how about we play and it doesn't have to be home and home. How about we just come to UD and play? Because then all the excuses about, you know, UD, hey, we got to make money. And, and I do believe a lot of a lot of stuff is generated by money. You know, we have to have so many home games because we're paying, paying for all these programs across the board. We'll just do that. Say, hey, how about if we... Uh, We'll come to your place. We, we won't demand a home-and-home home or a two-for-one or anything. Right, we'll just come Bob, to your place. to your be place fair, I that?
0: have on good authority that that, that has been the case. But that okay. has been the case on more than okay. one occasion, including the potential charity game that was scrapped a few years ago after the Oregon District shooting. There was no yeah. better time to come together as a community um, than to have that game happen for the community, and that was scrapped as well. And then, yeah, I, that, that's, that's why I get so fired up about this, because it's just they... they there's not playing, and then there's going out of your way not to play, and that's where we're at right now. You are trying not to play versus it just not organically happening. They're they're purposely trying to keep it from happening. And when people say, oh, "Well, they don't care about right state," when you purposely work that hard to not play somebody, that means they have been a part of a meeting. They are constantly a <laughs> part of your discussion of what to do if it gets brought up. So yes, they do care because it's a part of their PR of of making sure that that matchup doesn't happen. So that's where my frustration. <laughs> they're not a bad program. Anthony Grant's a great coach. Uh, you know, Neil Sullivan's were the best athletic directors in the country. It is they are not bad at their jobs, but they are childish with how they are handling this situation. In my opinion, coming well, uh, from the biggest I adult think... in town, me calling yeah, someone didn't... childish. <laughs> <laughs>
7: <laughs> well, I, I tell you what. I, I, in that scenario, I have to agree with
0: that. So, okay, that's right. Like yeah. I mean, people don't understand when they when I they hear me that. get all fired up about it. They're like, I can't believe you bash your hometown team. You hate on UD. I'm like, well, for one, there's multiple hometown teams in here. Yes, UD is the face of the city. I'm not bashing the program. It's a great program. But just because I have an isolated situation here that I'm targeting doesn't mean that I dislike the program team. But it is what it is. But I will. Con- December uh, uh, this Sunday is the 13th. It'll be, what, 23 years? The last time they played was December 13th, 1997. Mm-hmm. 23 All years right. ago. Hey, so. go,
7: hey, go, go, go. I can't say go Browns. I'm about ready to say it, man. I can't. It's I can't okay. You know, me I'm, gonna, I'm
0: not going to lie. You Bengals fans have been pretty pleasant today. I, I came I out. About. I went off on the first couple <laughs> Bengals fans. I was I was trying to get my shot in first before they did. And they were calling in to compliment the Browns. So I've been like a little bit more chill the last, you know, hour. Because I'm like, oh, we're not getting beat up today. I was I was on the defensive and I shouldn't have been. So
7: kudos. Yeah, there we go. Hey, don't get
0: used
2: to
7: it, though. Oh, no, heck you no. Have, you heck, guys
0: have a good one. Because make <laughs> next bad game, I'm going to hear differently from everybody. <laughs> <laughs> All right, man.
2: You guys have a good one. Man. But, and
0: take care. It's the Justin Kinner Show with Kev Nash. And for, yeah, 23 years, Kev. That's December, a long 1997 uh, was the last time uh, that these two teams played. Here's the history between UD and Wright State. And okay. people get so annoyed when I bring this up, and I do not care. It, I really don't care. If you don't like it, I do not care. The one thing, I've done this in this city long enough where. I have done things enough that people don't like that their opinion of me doing certain things does not change me doing them. Like, that's the thing. I'm not going to, I'm not even, I'm just not going to stop bringing it up because people aren't comfortable with it. The school and the program is used to the media backing down from it. Hell, the media in town anyways just mocks it. You know, they just mock it anyways. I'm not mocking it. I think it's a mockery. Uh, They're making a mockery of the entire situation by disrespecting the situation. There's no reason for it to not happen. You know, and people say, oh, well, well, you know, it's the same thing of UD and Xavier. It's the same thing with UD and Ohio State. No, it's not. Xavier's not in this city. Ohio State's not in this city. Right. And to be fair, I've talked to Chris Holtman. He's fine with playing. There was efforts to get that game to happen. And then go read the newspaper. All right. Neil Sullivan says himself, there's certain things that needed to happen to make it happen, and that was because they are trying to muscle their way into getting a game back here, which is not realistic. To actually expect Ohio State to come play at an A-10 school is not realistic. I don't care what anybody says, UD is is worthy of having Ohio State come play at the arena, mm-hmm. but you just don't see what. You don't see one of the top teams in the best conference in basketball in the Big Ten go play at an A-10 school. UD is not getting disrespected for who they are. You're just not going to see a Big Ten school go play at an A-10 school. But the gap between the Big Ten and A-10 is so significantly large compared to the gap between the A-10 and the Horizon. That's where I get annoyed. The the, the Xavier-Cincinnati thing, or Xavier-UD thing, also not the same. You know, it's not the same. Xavier's in Cincinnati. That, that's an hour south from here. We're talking about two teams in the same city. It is not the same. I get t- so annoyed when people bring that up. Well, UD does to Wright State what Ohio State never does to them. No, it's not. It's there are different reasons why Ohio State and Xavier have their situation with UD compared to what UD has with Wright State. Period. So I'll leave it at that. March fifth, nineteen eighty-eight. Dayton beat Wright State eighty-nine to seventy-one. January sixth, nineteen ninety. Uh Wright State won one oh one to ninety nine. December eleventh, nineteen ninety three, right state lost eighty three to fifty six. They beat um or you know, I'm sorry, they yeah, either way. Then this is at Dayton at Wright State. I mean just back and forth, yeah. back and forth. I mean, it is what it is. UD's five and three all time in the series. And the series may not ever happen again. Until huh, so they I tell the donors no.
1: I can't believe that. I can't believe that type of stuff. You know what I can because I, I follow a lot of college football and I know like you know, different situations where, like, uh, for instance, like, governors have got involved in certain matchups that make them, make them happen. Obviously, Governor DeWine got a lot more important things on his plate right now than trying to make a basketball game happen between Wright State and UD. But, like, this thing is, it, it, it's pretty ugly. You know, it's, it's pretty ugly, in my opinion, that they won't play, you know what I'm saying? And it's, it, it just seems like if someone looking down on another group of people or, or organization or a school that say you're not worthy of being played is, is almost basically being little brothered and i just i just don't view it that way man it people take sports so serious and make their identity from sports and they're so fearful of losing their identity if they quote unquote lose to the little brother they'll lose some sense of themselves no it's a game it's a game people win people lose like that's the point of playing a sport Mm-hmm. And that's a point of fanning out and, and enjoying sports. You know, there's a lot of people from the city that go to Wright State. There's a lot of people that from the city that go and went to UD. I don't see any harm in that. Like, I don't see the point of them not playing. I think it would be a cool thing for the city, um, you know, especially... We talked about with the Oregon District situation, like, how cool would that have been? You know, for the city, you know, it was all about this whole come-together stuff. How much how much will we have come together in that situation? And, you know, obviously, it would have been a lot of revenue generated from that situation to go to those families. And I just think it's a, it's a blown opportunity, man, and, and it's sad.
0: Uh, Justin Kenner, Kevin Nash with you here. Let's go back to the phones. We got Rob. Rob, welcome in. How are you? Rob, you still there? All right, well, to get back to the phone conversations, I have phone calls coming up here uh, in just a moment. We're going to switch gears to college football coming up around the corner here in hour number three. How about your Steelers kicking off here in 12 minutes at uh, 5 o'clock? They uh, have a, a game tonight. Uh, with three Washington. games in 12
1: days. <laughs> Sounds
0: like a good opportunity for them to pick up another loss <laughs> and let the Cleveland Browns come back in.
1: It's not like they playing basketball, it's not like an uh, NBA schedule. So,
0: <laughs> all right, do do do. All right, 457-9464. Uh, four, four. We'll be back in a moment. Don't go anywhere.
5: I can't wait till sports talk tomorrow, because Justin's going to be all over. He's one of the people from day one that says the Bengals need to get. We are home Zoma, the Ohio State.
0: We welcome you back, Justin and Kevin Nash, with you here. Doug Toby on Facebook says, and we're going to get into the college football playoff conversation here in a moment. Um, a lot of interesting things happened over the weekend in the world of college football. How about the Buckeyes officially getting on the field, officially getting a game in? We'll talk about that. Doug Toby says twenty-three players were unavailable against Michigan State. Um, Michigan-Ohio State point spread this week is 29.5, or 29.5. Was that a statement win for the Final Four? Uh, We'll get into some Buckeye talk coming up here in just a moment. So, um, yeah, it's going to be interesting. How the, what role that plays in moving forward. Look, I don't think that I don't think it was a statement win. It was a statement game because Ohio State just needed to be on Ohio State just needs to be on the field. Mm-hmm. Going up against anybody with a pulse right now. Yeah. That's all that that, that matters. So no Doug, yes, uh by the way, the the twenty nine and a half, I see that's kinda shifted a little bit. I heard it was like thirty or what yeah. That's a hell of a lie <laughs> for Michigan. Man. Thirty? So but there are reports that Michigan back out on the field practicing today. Uh, that's the most important thing. Put rivalries aside. Like that, you know, last week, when all this got stirred up and Kirk Herbstreit brought up the fact that, you know, he's hearing rumblings at Michigan, can, you know, just stick it to Ohio State, just go ahead and pull the plug on the game. But I mean, by the way, until we get to Saturday morning, I'm really not confident in saying this. I, I think it was wrong of people like Kirk Herbstreit should not have apologized. I don't think he should have apologized. I don't think he said anything necessarily wrong, but there is a difference. When you are an analyst in an analyst role, it's not a sports talk radio show where you get to come on with hot takes. I think there's a time and place for a hot take. Maybe he maybe he might have overstepped that. I think it, it, he lacked sensitivity towards everything going on to mm-hmm. accuse a program that does have an actual outbreak right? Of using that as a shield to play. But as I told you before, I do believe teams are using it as shields to get out of playing certain situations. I believe Maryland did that weeks ago. And the reason I say that is we fans, Buckeye fans accused Maryland of doing that, of not wanting to play Ohio State. That's why they did it. But then when Ohio they wanted Maryland to have the forfeit. Right. Ohio State does the same thing against Illinois, where they didn't meet the threshold to cancel. They ended up canceling. But we didn't look at it that way. We just said, Oh, you know, Ohio State was being cautious. Right. Why is Ohio State cautious, but when Michigan, if Michigan does it, why are they not cautious? Why are they just trying to avoid Ohio State? Why is that the case? Why is Maryland trying to cancel, you know, get out of playing Ohio State, but when Ohio State does it, it's just because, oh, they're being cautious. So if it uh, does end up happening, I do believe there's going to be a medical just medical reason enough to justify it, but I do believe other schools are using it as a shield to not play certain games. I just wish it doesn't sound so dirty when you say it, but I do believe that's the case. I I'm do on, believe that's Totally
1: on the other side, especially with the Maryland thing, because the following week they end up having to cancel the game because they had more people come down with COVID. Um, And I was totally surprised that Ohio State was able to get on the field this past weekend, and I was happy they got a win. And you know, we got a pick six to make it twenty-eight nothing, nice and early in the second quarter i was able to take a nap at halftime it was awesome but i truly don't believe teams are you know using covid as an excuse not to play these games because a lot of this money that they're generating because that's why we're playing this football season you know what i'm saying it they're playing this football season for one reason and one reason only to make money and if you're not on tv you're not making that money if you have a home game and you're canceling that home game for uh for places that are letting fans in into the building you're turning away dollars. You're turning away potential uh, millions of dollars from the gate. You know, they make lots of money off of that. So I don't think that they're turning away games because they're scared. I think they're turning away games because like, look, man, we ain't got enough people to play. And it's just not the smartest thing in the world for Michigan. I was never on that bandwagon to say, like, oh, man, they're ducking Ohio State. Like, this is the one saving grace that Harbaugh has is his pride. And, you know, he played at Michigan. He knows what it's like to actually beat Ohio State. He's one of the few people up there that knows what it's like to beat Ohio State. So I don't think he's running from the opportunity. You know, this is a, a, a situation where this could, this, them getting a win over Ohio State could save his job. So I don't think he's running from Ohio State. I think that if they don't play this game, it's – because of covid and i like, i'm i'm not backing off that i think that they do the big ten and ohio state and michigan need to be transparent with each other at least to say hey man we need to make sure you guys are telling us the updates on your players by wednesday so if the big ten needs to make an arrangement for ohio state to play another team that has an open date the, um, in, in and okay. they need to make it happen see okay fine i'll intervene here mm-hmm. here's why there is going to be a,
0: there's going to be a purity standpoint here where Michigan is going to follow enough of the protocols of. We just don't know. We just don't know. Mm-hmm. There will be a point where they do know whether they have to cancel the game or not. It's a matter right. of whether they'll be honest enough to announce when they won't be able to have the game, mm-hmm. because they can know tomorrow that hey, we're not going to be ready to go by Saturday.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Now, do they announce tomorrow that they won't be ready to go by Saturday, or do they wait till Friday? Late Friday to announce that they won't be ready to go by tomorrow, and won't be enough time for Ohio State to have a makeup game. Those those things exist. Like why why are we getting all bing bonged out of shape? Because those those realities exist. It's 2020. It's the year of the unknown. Um, the Big Ten has done a horrible job of buttoning up these things. And what I mean is is why have a threshold of what needs to be met to to justify canceling a game. To have a threshold means to to cancel a game. I, mean, I looked at the wording today. For a team to be eligible to cancel a game without forfeit, they must have a certain percent of players be out for that game. Scholarship players. All the cancellations for the Buckeyes this year, or for the Big Ten this year, or for Ohio State—I'm sorry—all the cancellations for Ohio State this year, none of them have met the threshold. So that's where that wording is. Is where we're just like, so why have that wording in there if you're just going to sit there and say? To me, when it says. The threshold that needs to be met is a certain percent of these players. To justify cancellation, These ha- this has to be met. They weren't met. Teams just canceled. Why are we not screaming louder about forfeits? Why is Ohio State not saying that that Maryland game should count and that should be a win for us? Well, they can't now because they did the same thing against Illinois, but they did it because they watched Maryland do it. This situation is the Big Ten's fault because they've been lax. Kevin Warren, I know is not a fan favorite, but he should have he should brought the hammer down. said, Maryland, not try to be insensitive. It's unfortunate, but this is a loss. Unfortunately, it, it's it has to be counted as a loss because it's for the betterment of the the pro or the the conference. If that means like because the category of the total amount of games played for Ohio State is what's being hit here, mm-hmm. that's where that could have come into play. I put out on my Facebook page over the weekend that if the Big Ten, if they're going to bend the rules or adjust the rules to benefit Ohio State, they need to do it in a way that is going to benefit the conference as a whole and not just Ohio State as a whole.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: If you are going to if you're going to take the period out of the sentence that bookends the rule of minimum game requirements, you just need to change the entire process here of how we're going to name a Big Ten champion. Scrap divisions, top two teams, Ohio State, Indiana. Part two. Part two. If it's really if it's really about what's best for the conference. That's what needs to happen. We don't need Ohio State in Northwestern in the Big Ten title game. Oh, and Northwestern, they've only lost one game. Super. Fantastic. That's not the second-best team in the Big Ten. Indiana just won this past week against a good Wisconsin team. Forget Wisconsin's not a good defensive Wisconsin team. They did it with the backup quarterback, and they did it with defense, and they did it in the same way. I, Indiana did what Ohio State, what Clemson and good teams do is you lose a star quarterback, but you had enough depth to be able to continue to you know, find ways to win. Good teams find ways to win. Northwestern lost that opportunity when they lost to a team they should not have lost to. Period. I don't want to hear that anyone could lose in any given week. The Big Ten. If you're going to open up the floodgates to changing the rules to benefit Ohio State, the least you could do is, let's just go that full mile. Change, Scrap divisions. Top two teams. Ohio State, Indiana, Part 2. Clemson, Notre Dame. Florida-Alabama, I mean, that is going to be one hell of a championship weekend in gearing up for the college football playoff. You know, Tulsa-Cincinnati, not as sexy of a ring to it, but the point is is you're going to have dominant matchups across the board. I'm not excited for Ohio State-Northwestern. I don't find Northwestern to be for real at this point. They, they lost their opportunity, by not just losing, because Indiana lost. Mm. Indiana lost by one possession to a top for team in the country. There is a big difference. There are such things as good losses. And if there is such thing as a good loss, Clemson probably has the best loss. Indiana has the second best loss mm-hmm. if we're tracking that sort of thing. Yeah. What do you think? I'm all for If you're going to make a change to benefit I, one, you might as well benefit the entire conference. Let's get Indiana-Ohio State part two. I,
1: I get what you're saying. I, I totally understand. But I think it's too late because what they did was, you're going to play the Big Ten East opponents. You're going to play the Big Ten West opponents. There were no crossover matchups. So, uh, like, what they did in the ACC, it just basically jumbled everything up. They said it from the jump where there are no divisions. We're just going to do a round robin. You play a little bit over here. You play a little bit over there, and we take the percentage. So now it's not an equal percentage. It's but there's
0: nothing equal about any of this. Like what we're what, just we're what just what assuming Ohio
1: State well, deserves what, to be in this. But spot. see, but see, like Indiana they played the Big Ten East, and Northwestern played the uh, Big Ten. Sorry, I had to go look at this pass interference call. No flag. Okay, oh, nice. nice see. He looks like the second best
0: quarterback in the AFC North. Nice overthrow, Big Ben.
1: But uh, they they're not playing like any type of like opponents at all. So like that's where I'm at with it. I don't I don't really think that it's too late. Like in going into it I was with you. Like I was 100% there. I was like, "Well, that's what they should do. Like since it's a uh, COVID year, just throw divisions out the window and just do win percentage like uh the ACC did, but they didn't choose to do that. So I think it's kind of too late for that now.
0: If it's if it's not too late to change the rule about minimum games, it's to me it's not too late to change that either because You look at who Northwestern lost to. I mean, Northwestern had an opportunity to be a college football playoff team. Mm -hmm. To this day, I will argue that had Northwestern remained undefeated, the, the team that Ohio State just shellacked mm-hmm. beat Northwestern. Northwestern does not deserve to be in the college, in the Big Ten championship game. Period. I don't care what anybody <laughs> says. Because, no, the whole reason that we are bending the rules for Ohio State is, like, let's say Ohio State had two losses right now, and, and Indiana had three, and, and still not the minimum amount. Would we be bending the rules to get Ohio State in the Big Ten champion? We're only doing it because it's going to benefit the Big Ten. Northwestern doesn't help the Big Ten accomplish anything. Uh, I don't know. Look, the Big Ten can get away with it this year. You can get away with anything. Monday. How COVID? I went through, by the way, this makes no sense. I went through McDonald's the other day, and I was going to get Nora, uh, my fiancé, some breakfast. I said, hey, I need a, you know, whatever bagel. Ba- bagel I you. This is the response. We don't have bagels because of COVID. <laughs> what? Like, see, we're just getting lazy with it now. Like, n- n- you know, at the beginning, it was, you know, hey, you know, we're going to have slower lines, you know, limited people in the stores. Like, things are going to be slower because of COVID. Now we're just making stuff up. <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah, like a bagel, egg, and cheese. Sandwich. Oh, we don't have bagels because of COVID. I'm sorry, come again. Um, went to a restaurant over the weekend. Uh, to, you know, we ordered a certain kind of drink. Like, they have all these alcoholic drinks, but this one particular alcoholic drink, this restaurant didn't have because of COVID. And I'm like, wait, what? Like, and it wasn't even a corona. Like, it was, it, it made no sense. Like, we're just making stuff up now. Like, you know, my boss, hey, how come you're late today? Oh, well, you know, COVID, you know, cut me off. You know, cut me off, got stuck at a red light. Like, we got... It, it makes no dang sense. But you can use COVID for any excuse right now. There are real COVID excuses, and there are bad ones. And right now, Ohio State, you could justify it. No, who's... By the way, outside of Northwestern fans, all five of them, who's going to be mad if the Big Ten provides Indiana-Ohio State Part 2? And it would probably be... A- boring game and not like the first one. But who knows? Maybe. The blitz packages, the defense. It was the defense of Indiana that forced Ohio State to look as poor as they did that day. Mm-hmm. The offense may not be able to, you know, Penix Jr. may not be there, but that defense is what forced Justin yeah, Fields yeah. to throw three interceptions. Yeah, he helps. <laughs> he so, helps. <laughs> I'm all I for it. Mean, you know, I'm all, right. all for it. But, uh, you know, it, it's going to be interesting moving forward. But yeah, people keep bringing up the fact that you know, Ohio State, they're going to get plenty of games in. Even if they don't play this week, they'll get their sixth game of the season and They don't need a Big Ten tie to get into the playoff we we talked about some scenarios last week we think they don 't need it mm-hmm. but if the committee is looking at an eleven and no conference champion around the you know college football even if it 's the american are you are you sure you're willing to gamble that the committee is not going to reward an 11 and 0 conference champion versus a 5 and 0 non conference champion, Kev? That's not the risk you need to take. That's why I think that they need to, the Big Ten needs to do everything in its power to assure that Ohio State gets there. I agree that they don't need the Big Ten title in my right. opinion, but you don't want to leave it up because if you head into that selection Sunday, if you head into selection Sunday and the committee it's coming down between Cincinnati, American Conference champion 11 and 0, and 5 and 0 Ohio State. I'm sorry. That's that six-game difference. Even if it's a five-game difference, that would worry me. I think it's very the Big Ten needs to make sure they get that Big Ten title put on the belt, put on the resume of Ohio State, right. so that even if they play a limited games, they're still conference champions. I don't want a non-conference. I don't want a five and zero, six and zero Buckeye team that's not a conference champion going up against a eleven and zero conference champion elsewhere. Ohio State's better, but the committee can look at Cincinnati and say, "Well, you played more games, and we're not punishing Ohio State for not getting games in, but we can't punish Cincinnati for playing a full schedule either." And go from there.
1: It's so a COVID we'll year, man. It's a ton of things that's possible. Shoot, we talked about how in the Pac-12, where USC and Colorado play in the same side, they don't even play each other, and both teams are undefeated right now. Mm-hmm. Like, there's going to be multiple un- undefe- undefeated Pac-12 teams. What do you do? Like, this is bizarre. Absolutely,
0: uh, Reggie George, he says, what happens if Clemson loses a second game? Will they keep them out. in? They're, they're out. I don't think that's a difficult one, Reggie. I think if Clemson, even if Clemson loses by a field goal in quadruple overtime in the ACC title game, they are, they're out. Um, Keith Byers and I talked about this yesterday, Kevin. What happens? This is another reason if you're the Big Ten. Ohio State needs to get like Everyone out there that tells me they don't need to win the Big Ten title to get in, you are wrong. Because here's a scenario that's going to present itself, Kev, that I don't think Ohio State will be able to overcome if they don't have a Big Ten title under their belt. What happens if Florida beats Alabama? And you have one loss Alabama, one loss Florida, one loss Clemson. Clemson beats Notre Dame, one loss Notre Dame. Those four are in. Those four might be in even if Ohio State does win a conference champion. If they only have six games, so not like Ohio State, their path to get in, they don't even have to lose to be knocked out. I don't think that this is as much. I don't think they're guaranteed anything. I really don't. Which is why you have to do everything you can if you're the Big Ten uh, officials to try to get something under the on the resume of Ohio State. They have zero quality wins. We could try to soup that up. I saw Doug Toby earlier.
1: Got a quality win. Indiana, Indiana win. In the eyes of the committee, though, Indiana—they constantly will be, be, be top ten by the by next time uh, Tuesday.
0: They'll be top ten by Tuesday. I hate to use, were lucky. indiana is good. I've been high on Indiana, not as much as you have to start, but I jumped in. I was more impressed by how they lost to Ohio State <laughs> than how some teams have looked while winning. But Indiana just won a game this past weekend without Michael Penix Jr. against a top twenty-five, you know, uh, you know, highly ranked team in Wisconsin. They're good. But I don't feel like the committee respects that game. Because the thing is, Ohio State didn't beat Indiana that day. They played poorly that day. That's the narrative of that day, right? right? Three interceptions for Justin Fields. The defense giving up all those yards. Like, it's not right. It's not how I'm viewing it. But that's how I'm perceiving it and hearing it from the analysis of...
1: All the shows we watch on ESPN and right. across the board, but they hate Ohio State. Remember the bias. So, <laughs> but yeah, I think it's just a simple fact that it's the name Indiana. Because if that name was Wisconsin, Keith said the same thing. Yeah, if that name was Wisconsin, they'll be probably sitting at seven right now. Mm-hmm. It's the name Indiana, and that's something I always talk about equity. You know, this is new for Indiana, and this, and they don't have that name equity, that brand. Because if this was Indiana basketball. They'd be number two in the country right now. But Indiana football doesn't ring any bells. It doesn't get anybody all excited and everything like that. Like we were talking about when it, it was a ten, uh, top ten matchup. You weren't excited about the game until that game happened. And like, oh, man, it's turned out to be a good game. And it was crazy. Indiana pl- hung with Ohio State. This is well, the
0: 24-point line didn't help. <laughs> like, Kind of
1: like this one coming up with that team up north
0: on, on Saturday. But let me ask you, like, When Byers Byers and I discussed this yesterday, it really got – because I kept – I was with everyone. Everyone's losing their mind about Ohio State, the minimum game thing. I'm like, I don't care about the Big Ten title game. But then I started, like, I had my notes, and I started going through every possible scenario. And the scenario that is the most dangerous for Ohio State is Florida beating Alabama in the conference championship game and Clemson. and, And Clemson will be the favorite. With Trevor Lawrence and that defense fully healthy, if that is the case, come the ACC title game here in a few weeks, Clemson will be favorited. They most likely will win. Who knows? But they most likely will win if chalk happens. Clemson wins. Let's say Florida upsets Alabama mm-hmm. in the in the SEC title game. Kev, this isn't a hot take. I'm not doing this to stir conversation. I don't think Ohio State gets in because at that point, it's all about resumes. And Florida's resume with the win over Alabama, with even with the loss, unfortunately, trumps anything Ohio State's done. Not me stirring the pot. It's not a super hot take. It's a realistic take from the committee. Same thing with uh, Notre Dame, who's been in the top four all year. You lose in the, S- in the ACC title game against what was supposed to be the number one team in the country all year. They're not getting punished for a loss either. We've already seen Clemson not get punished for a loss. Mm-hmm. And you're not going to take Alabama, who's been the number one team all year, and kick them out all the way from one all the way out to five, unless Florida blows them out, which we don't right. anticipate. There's a good shot, Big Ten title or not. That scenario is what will keep the Buckeyes out of the playoff. Which of those four teams would you see Ohio State jumping over if that scenario plays out? I don't see one. I just don't.
1: The Indiana win, which we just said it's a good quality win, I don't think that's enough ammo. Right. And that's why... The Big Ten needed to do everything in their power to make sure Ohio State gets this game, this sixth game, this sixth regular season game, and is in a Big Ten championship game to get a potential seventh game and a championship underneath their belt because if you look at everything the ACC did, the ACC bent over backwards to make sure that Clemson and Notre Dame not only are in the AC- ACC championship game, but also both teams have a bye going into that championship game. They, all right, they, man, they're doing what they have to do to make sure – one of their teams is represented, if not two teams represented, in the college football playoff. So you as a conference have to do what you have to do to make sure you get your representative the best path possible or opportunity to do that. So as far as them getting leapfrogged, I mean, the, the game, the one obvious is the Clemson and Notre Dame situation. That's the one because – you look at Notre Dame, they've been up there all season. They had that victory over Clemson. As long as they don't get blown out the water, they're going to be in there. Like, I think that Notre Dame is good as a lot to be in the the college football playoff. As long as they don't get blown out by 20-some points, I think they're in. Ohio State? Oh. Yeah, no, I'm just trying to think. I'm just trying to piece it together in my head. But, like, like I, I, don't said, see
0: them, I don't see them jumping any of them in that scenario. I yeah. I just don't. And if we're going to do – and, like, this, if the philosophy that I think could happen benefits Ohio State, that's great because it benefits our team, but it's a dangerous philosophy that could hurt Ohio State moving forward. If we're just going to put Ohio State in because they're Ohio State Mm -hmm. and screw over a team that has a good resume compared to Ohio State, then we won't have a problem with it in Buckeye country, but it would be a big black eye on the committee's part because that's not COVID-related. That's just elitism right there, and then that just totally – that totally tips the scales. That's proving right there that if you're Northwestern, and we're talking about poor Cincinnati, poor others, there are teams, there are power five teams right. who probably from a brand perspective don't have a shot of ever making it right. because of that right there. Northwestern could have gone undefeated, won a Big Ten title, and probably still would have been kept out over Ohio State because it's Ohio State. The brand supremacy thing, it's is, real. is it's real. And we're going to talk about, oh, poor Cincinnati and others. I think the Northwesterns and in the Indiana's of the world. By the way, earlier when I talked about how the Big Ten needs to change the rule, One versus two, Mm -hmm. that's also why I think that rule needs to happen. Indiana, a win over Indiana in the Big Ten title game, a top ten Indiana team, is going to be better than a win over, by the time we get to a top 15, top 18 Northwestern. So that's why I also brought up why the importance of having that Indiana game matters, because who you play on that final week. When we're talking about the lasting impression that Ohio State's going to have on the committee, Mm -hmm. blowing out number 18 or 19 Northwestern, or a win over a top ten Indiana team. What's going to carry more weight? That's why I think the Big Ten, if you're, going to make an, if you're going to adapt a rule to benefit Ohio State, adapt a rule to impact the whole conference, set up Indiana-Ohio State part two. That's all. We'll see. We'll see. We'll see. <laughs> the Justin Kenner Show with Kev Nash here on 1410 ESPN Radio. Tomorrow, ESPN Radio's Jason Fitz will join us. We'll dive into that conversation more about some of the college football playoff scenarios. Uh, Ron Howard says, Texas A&M, where do they sit? They're just annoying. They're in the way. <laughs> Ron, like they're, like they, there's nothing A&M can do. A- A&M's just hanging around. A&M and Cincinnati are in the same boat. They both just got to keep winning and hanging and hang around and just hope for chaos. Yep. But there is nothing they can do to get in moving forward. They have to be let in by something else happening. Yeah. Cincinnati, the same thing. So the only thing they can do is just keep winning. But there is no title game for A&M. Right. Um, so um, there's,
1: yeah. They don't have another opportunity to get a win over another big-time team. All they can do is just win the games that they're responsible for winning and hope shoot, hopefully Alabama loses to Arkansas this week and then loses to Florida in the SEC Championship. And hopefully Florida, like, it's, it's a convoluted mess that they have to hope for something to happen. I think they're out, you know what I'm saying, no matter what they personally do. I think it's a five-team race, and that five-team race is Clemson, Notre Dame, Bama, Ohio State, and... Shoot, did I say five teams already? In Florida, yeah, in Florida, yeah. I'm telling you, the championship, Sunday,
0: championship Saturday, championship weekend is going to be fun. Yeah, um, Clemson, Notre Dame, Alabama, Florida. Hopefully, Ohio State, Indiana. But it's going to be at this point as a Buckeye fan, Ohio State playing it all is going to be huge. I think it's they were with that that offensive line. You know, three guys making their very first start ever. Mm-hmm. They did a pretty good job protecting Justin Fields. out of those game, snaps. By the way. <laughs> uh, but that's, I'm not going to critique that because that's kind of a given. Yeah. Like, I, I, I feel bad time, for those guys. First like,
1: time, Jack Miller's first time playing center is in a game. That's that's rough, you know. Yep. And shoot, going to be playing center next week versus that team up north. Um, As I think about it, this is three teams for two spots. Because I think we both can agree, as long as they don't get blown out, Notre Dame is in there. As long as Bama doesn't get blown out, they're going to be in there. Those teams are pretty much locked to make the college football playoff.
0: Ohio State's not a lock. I don't care what anybody says. People keep telling me Ohio State's a lock. They're not a lock, folks. Like. They're just not. I'm sorry. They're not. They're talent. They are as good as any of those three teams. But we've talked about it's not about the four best teams. It's about the four best resumes. And Man. the fact that they have one of the four best rosters is keeping them in the hunt. That's why they still have a shot. But from a resume standpoint, if I'm Coastal Carolina, I'm pissed. Right. If I'm Cincinnati, I'm angry. If I'm, and if I'm BYU up into this past weekend, I'm also upset. Because Urban Meyer even said it last week. Ohio State's resume is just not good.
1: Cincinnati's resume is way better. Right. But, and that goes to my point about, you know, games have to matter. You can't just say, like, these teams should be in the playoff because they're a brand-name team or they rank this high in recruiting rankings and everything like that. The games actually have to matter. And for our state situation, we as Buckeye fans have to be rooting for Alabama. We got to root for Notre Dame to make sure these other teams don't sneak in and take a spot. We got to make sh- root that Florida doesn't take – a spot we got a route and hopefully Clemson doesn't take a spot you know if those things happen and Ohio State takes care of the business they'll be in it without a doubt but there is doubt because they have to play those matchups and if we showing anything we're expecting Clemson to be back at full strength we're expecting Clemson to win so if we're expecting Clemson to win that means they're in and it also means Notre Dame's in and then if you get an upset from Florida, you know they're in, and then Bama's in, and then where does that leave Ohio State? So you always got to hope. You know, in a normal year, just win every game, you'll you'll be fine. Don't worry about nothing. This is anything from a normal year.
0: All right, folks, we'll be back in a moment. Four five seven nine four six four. More of the Justin Kinner Show with Kev Nash next. Justin Kinner, Kevin Nash with you here on 1410 ESPN Radio. Uh, let's see, back to the comments section we go. Dennis says they are a lock if they beat Michigan and win the Big Ten. Of course, I asked the question earlier, are the Buckeyes a lock to make the college football playoff? Because over the weekend, I threw out my suggestion that the Big Ten, if they're going to adapt the rules to eliminating the minimum game requirement for Ohio State to participate in playing the Big Ten title game, they don't need to stop there. They need to continue with the changes. They need to wipe out divisions. And take the two best teams and put them in the Big Ten title game, the two best teams being, of course, Ohio State and Indiana, because that helps the conference. Now, those of you out there who are saying, well, it doesn't matter because Ohio State's going to be a double-digit favorite against Indiana or Northwestern, well, put it this way. It doesn't matter about the line of the game. All that matters is the, no- the only number that matters for Ohio State as far as who their opponent is come the Big Ten championship game. Um, it is going to be the team that has the higher number in front of their name. And the team that's going to have a higher number in front of their name is going to be Indiana. Indiana has a resume that actually kicks Ohio State's resume's ass. Like, it's way better than Ohio State, even though they've lost to Ohio State. Like, Indiana is the real deal. Uh, I don't think Indiana is the real deal in regards to being an equal to an Alabama uh, an Ohio. Or Florida, those type of teams. I don't think that Indiana is truly as good as Ohio State, but they have earned the right to be in that discussion based on the fact that a loss has been stronger for them than half the wins for a lot of teams in the college football playoff conversation. If it comes down to championship weekend and Ohio State has to face a close to, and let's say Northwestern loses again and they're not ranked. That means they're going to have to go up against an unranked opponent in the Big Ten title game. I don't think Northwestern's that good. They lost to a bad Michigan State team. That's on them. You can't I mean, At this point, every every week is a playoff game now moving forward for a lot of teams, so it doesn't matter. You've lost games that matter. That's where I'm at with Northwestern. Indiana, it's very important that Ohio State plays them because while Florida and Alabama are going head-to-head in their title game and Clemson and Notre Dame are going head-to-head in their uh, title game, Ohio State needs a stronger opponent. That needs to be Indiana. I do not believe Indi- that Ohio State's a lock. They're just not. There is no way that you can convince me that Ohio State is a definitive lock in making the college football playoff. They've only played five games. They don't have any good quality wins in regards to the Indiana game, which is technically their quality win, not my real opinion. I don't think that the league or the committee values that win. Mm-hmm. I don't think they look at Indiana as a good win for Ohio State. It's not my opinion. I'm just. My opinion is that the league thinks that. All right? Which is why I think Ohio State needs a top 10 opponent in the Big Ten title game, which would definitely help. But at 6-0 and and Big Ten champions, that still to me is not going to guarantee them getting in when you have a Florida team that would have beat the number one team in the country in Alabama in their title game and wins the SEC, the best conference in football. That's going to carry Florida into the playoff. You're not going to take the number one Alabama Crimson Tide and take them from one to five. It's just not happening. Notre Dame has already beat Clemson this year. They've been in the top four all year. Let's say they lose a one-possession game to Clemson in the ACC title game. You are not going to punish Notre Dame for losing to a team that they technically already beat. So if it's a close win, a close win for Clemson, you are also not going to knock out Clemson, who has been in the top four since it started. Now, you could say, oh, well, you're not going to knock at Ohio State who's been in the top four since it started. When you are hanging on by a thread like Ohio State is from a total games perspective, from whether or not you'll even be a Big Ten champion perspective, from everything, Ohio State's in trouble. I do not think that they are a lock. You cannot convince me that they are a lock. The scenario where Florida beats Alabama and Clemson beats Notre Dame, which is a very good possibility. That that right there is why you cannot convince me Ohio State's a lock. If th- that scenario happens, if Clemson beats Notre Dame and Florida beats Alabama, there's not a thing Ohio State can do between now and Selection Sunday to guarantee a spot in the playoff.
1: Period. The only thing that I will say is Clemson can beat Notre Dame, and Notre Dame and Clemson will both be in there. The only thing we really need to worry about is Bama. In Florida, Long as Bama wins that game, and Ohio State handles their business as we are all expecting them to do. They'll be in that, that Florida. One. That Florida game is the one. The Florida Bama game is the one because that's that's the chink in the armor that nobody expects. You know, we all know that it's always well, it's been in recent years Bama, Clemson, Ohio State. You know, add your Oklahoma, but now we have an extra team in there. We got Notre Dame and florida in the mix you know so but the thing is they're not battling it out for that fourth spot florida's trying to jump in there and say hey man we're the number two team in the country if they be- can beat alabama hell they'll probably say they're the number one team in the country if they beat alabama so it's all really about ohio state really needs to just be rooting for alabama to handle their business and our business you know what i'm saying so uh, a win for alabama is a win for ohio state
0: 457 four, four, four. it's the Justin Kenner Show with Kev Nash. If you're just tuning in, of course, everyone over the weekend just blowing my, phone, my Facebook up about my comments on the Big Ten saying, hey, that Ohio State, they desperately need Ohio State in the title game, but they also need to make sure that they pat Ohio State's opponent in the title game with Indiana. Ohio State needs a top ten win over Indiana to, keep, to give themselves an even better shot. I've read so many articles this weekend that have stated Ohio State's a lock. They are not a lock. There is there there is definitely they are definitely not a lock. Now let's say that uh, Alabama beats Florida. Okay, Florida's out. Right now you have Alabama at one. Let's say Clemson beats Notre Dame. Clemson's two. Notre Dame will go to three. Ohio State's number four. Also, don't think they're a lock, because the committee has been ridiculed and just totally disparaged for not showing any love to these non-Power 5 schools. Cincinnati has a resume that they're going to be undefeated, they're going to be 11-0, to they're going to be a conference champion, and then you're going to have a 6-0 Big Ten champion. The Big Ten was horrible this year. So you're also going to have a scenario where the committee might look at this and say, if there was ever a year that we can get away with putting Cincinnati in and also eliminate the factor moving forward, the perception that we don't show any love to these teams, they could accomplish that in 2020, the year of COVID, because it's 2020, the year of COVID. Mm -hmm. They could do it because moving forward, you will never have an opportunity with an undefeated conference champion Bearcats team going up against an undefeated Ohio State Big Ten championship team. You You could never give favor to Cincinnati. You know why you can this year, Kev? 11 games compared to six. Yeah, That's the other reason why. To sit there and act like that's not a possibility, it is a possibility. And I think it would be wrong of the committee not to look at Cincinnati and say, yeah, we're need to. we not punishing Ohio State for not playing 11 games, but we are rewarding Cincinnati for getting 11 games in, being a conference champion, being undefeated. To me, that is another possibility as well. So we need to stop pretending like Ohio State just is a deadlock to get in. That is not the case.
1: And UC has Tulsa on Saturday. Mm-hmm. Who's yep. ranked right, number 24 currently So you know Another ranked opponent for UC on their on their schedule So it's something to think about I honestly don't think that They'll do it um, As much as I'm a big UC homer And rooting for them to do great things And everything like that I just don't see That's where, where the name brand thing comes into play As much as I despise that name brand stuff Like it's a real thing It's a reality that we all have to deal with Like that this is a TV product and it's all about getting a lot of eyeballs to the TV set. Um, so I think that is going to be a, a factor, you know, between Ohio State and UC. No matter how much, how many games UC has played and how many opponents you, we probably think are better than the Ohio State opponents that UC has beaten this year. Because, I mean, there's only one. There's only one opponent on Ohio State's schedule that we say, like, they're a good team, and that's Indiana. And it's, as strange as it is for everybody to understand that Indiana is a good football team this year, people still don't want to believe it. You know, the the Penn State win is not a good win. I mean, it's a good win because they won, obviously, but it's not something we're waving yeah. the waving the banner about. Obviously, we got that team up north, our biggest rival. This weekend, we're all hoping that game gets played. But the reality of the situation, if Ohio State wins that game, it's not. It's going to be great because we beat our rival, but. In the aspect of another notch on our belt, like, oh, we got another ranked opponent on our schedule. We don't. There's only one ranked opponent on our schedule that we have a victory over, and that's Indiana. So we need to be big Indiana fans. We need to be big Alabama fans for them to handle their business in the SEC championship. And as strange as it is, I I tweeted this out. I've never been a person rooting for other teams to lose. Like, I just don't care. I don't care what another team does. All I care about is my team and how they perform and what they do. Because I believe if my team wins their games, they don't have anything to worry about. But in a COVID year, we got everything to worry about. Yep. 457-9464 4579464 uh lamar shelley uh, he says that
0: the one lost team like clemson would be in trouble before undefeated teams like ohio state in regards to cincinnati yep. no clemson's in folks like if clemson loses again they're out but that one loss for clemson it ha- it has not impacted them at all clemson is fine they are in if they get in, they're winning the national championship. Clemson, Tigers are. Trevor Lawrence, company, Like I've, they've been my championship pick since before the season started. No, I'm not a Buckeye hater. I just I don't I don't have a homer approach to anything. I just tell it like I see it. Clemson's the best team in college football. The only reason they're not number one right now is because they did lose without their starting quarterback, without uh, some of their top defensive players there. So that's kind of where I'm at as far as that goes. But, no, the one-loss team like Clemson that you referred to, that they're not the one. If it came down to Ohio State, yes, they're undefeated, but they've played six games. I'm sorry, but that's not enough when you're looking at teams who got a full 10-plus game schedule in. And if you want to say, well, it's not Ohio State's fault, well, the committee may not be punishing Ohio State, but they might be looking at the Big Ten saying, hey, you didn't manage this properly. We're not going to bail you out by letting your team in just because you, you know, we're not going to reward you for not doing this. These other conferences, they found ways to make it work. They found a, a you know, a schedule that was, uh, a, you know, doable in regards to having makeup games at the end of the year. The committee is not going to bail the Big Ten out just to bail them out. And people say, well. They, ratings, ratings, ratings. There are teams. Ohio State's not the only team in the country that's going to get ratings. Period. Like that. That's that's not the the right mindset to have. It's a, it's a reasonable mindset to have, but to act like Ohio State, the the committee has more times than not picked against Ohio State in the playoff. It's not that it's not that crazy to think that they will not pick Ohio State. I don't think a six zero Big Ten champion is a lock to get in. I just don't. I just don't see
1: it. Check this out. There's nine undefeated schools left. In college football, Alabama, UC, Notre Dame, Coastal Carolina, Ohio State, Colorado, USC, Buffalo, and San Jose State.
0: Yeah, and why are we, in like, our elitism over here at Ohio State is, well, they didn't get all their games in, but they need to be rewarded anyways. Well, where's that, is the
1: Pac-12, what if USC, and we talked about this, USC, those guys, they could end up undefeated. Yeah, US, USC and Colorado could both end up in defeat, undefeated and not even play each other. No.
0: Lamar says, "Then don't bail out Clemson for
1: them losing without that. They're not bailing them out. Clemson is going to get ten plus
0: games in. That's not bailing them out. Clemson's not being bailed out for anything. And again, I get what you're saying. What he's trying to say is, is that if you're willing to bail Clemson out, who has a loss due to a COVID reason of not having a quarterback and a couple key defensive players, then Ohio State, you know, then if we can't bail them out for not having enough games because of COVID, keep in mind, Lamar, you're looking at it as being bailed out because of COVID." The committee's not going to bail Ohio State out because they're not going to bail the Big Ten out. I don't think the committee's going to help the Big Ten. The committee's going to punish the Big Ten. Just like, by the way, if the Pac-12 doesn't get in and you have all these undefeated Pac-12 teams, the pac is also getting punished for not having right. enough games. Yeah. If the Pac-12 could be punished for not having enough games to get in, the Big Tens, no, they're not immune to that. Yeah, they're not the, immune to that. I
1: think the biggest difference between Clemson and Ohio State outside of the games played is Clemson controls their own destiny. You know, because they're playing Very true. the number two team in the country, you know, in their conference championship game. If Ohio State was playing a number two team in a conference championship game, it wouldn't matter if they were playing five or six games. Like, if you get a win over a number two team in the country that late in the season, you're going to be in. So that that is going to help Clemson tremendously, them playing number two Notre Dame. Why is Judge Judy trending on Twitter? I don't want to know.
0: I really I guess in some markets you're not you're not able to watch the Steelers game. Really. Because Judge Judy's on. So Judge Judy is trending on Twitter. Sorry, my ADD got uh, you know, got gotcha you again. Really eh? Again. All right, we'll get back to uh we'll get back to closing out the show on the other side 4579464. I'm not making friends today. Uh, by the way, I'm losing friends too. Shorty says uh, Kenner, go look at your Twitter, you hater. <laughs> All right, let me look at my Twitter. Hold on, I'm on Twitter. Um, so there is a reporter and Emily Proud uh, she says that Ryan Tanhill ranks number one in the NFL in fourth quarter comebacks, four, game-winning drives, five, and percentage of drives ending in an offensive touchdown. But, Kinner, you said he's holding them back. Well, it sounds like a quarterback who is leading a team who's always losing in the fourth quarter, Schrody. That's what that sounds like to me. <laughs> this guy. I mean, my quarterback always has the lead heading into the fourth quarter. I mean, I think I'd rather have that guy, Baker Mayfield, better than Ryan Tannehill. Like I've been telling you all year, Ryan Tannehill, I mean, come on, Schrody. No, you can do better than that. is
1: having—I wonder how much sleep he's gotten. Baker Mayfield outperformed his dude, and he can't stand it. How did that conversation go between you two? I, I
0: ranked Baker Mayfield ahead
1: of Ryan Tanhill.
0: and then he lost his mind. And then Ryan—and then Baker Mayfield not only you know outperforms him, he 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 did more in one half than Tanhill did in the whole game. Now he, he, Tannehill threw for more yards, yes, but yeah, you had to throw the ball. Why? Because you were behind in the game. Your team was down by thirty. Well, it's not, it's not his fault the defense gave up that point, so how come Ryan Tannehill couldn't do what Baker Mayfield was doing? Brown's defense ain't any better than the than the Titans. Schrody, I'm embarrassed for you to be a Titans fan. <laughs> I'm embarrassed for you to be a Titans fan. Baker Mayfield, Ryan Tannehill, I'll take Baker any day of the week, especially yesterday. We'll be back in a moment. Go Browns. This guy. All right, and we are back. Justin Kinner, Kevin Nash, here on 1410 ESPN Radio. Tyler Schrode says, I'm embarrassed for you. Tyler Schrody, the upset Titans fan who got embarrassed yesterday by Baker Mayfield, who he has said is the worst quarterback in the league all season long. And he <laughs> got to school. He, that, that's what a real quarterback looks like, Tyler Schrode, instead of that boring Ryan Tanhill. <laughs> I'll take Baker any day. Um Josh Maloney on Facebook says, "As a Bengals fan, I'm pulling for the Browns to go as far as possible." I never thought I'd have a show where I'm more impressed with Bengals fans today than Titans fans. <laughs> the Beng- like, how many calls have we had today and in interactions with Bengals fans who have said? Good for the Browns. You got to give it up, man. I
1: got to give them credit. Got to give it up. Got to give it up to a team that got a huge victory in the Cleveland Browns. Obviously, I'm a Pittsburgh Steelers fan. I'm not rooting for the Browns to win games and also not rooting for them to lose. I could care less. But, you know, you got to give credit where credit is due. They got a huge victory yesterday, on the road, no less.
0: Uh, we also talked today, too, about, of course, everyone that thinks Ohio State is a lock to the playoff if they win out. I do not think that at all. I think when you only play six games, you are vulnerable. Um, and, of course, this brings out some of these comments. Gotta love it. Ohio State, uh, this comes from Alex Sheets. Um, not a homer at all. He just is holding a humongous Ohio State flag in his picture. So that, that that's how we're going to start this. He says, Ohio State beats Michigan. And beats a ranked Northwestern team, they are not getting left out. No way in hell. If you think they are, you clearly do not follow college football. Well, Mr. Sheets, if you have actually followed college football up until this point today, being December 7th, 2020, um, clearly you don't then, because if you did, you would be smart enough to understand that the same reasons I'm saying why Ohio State's not a lock to make the playoff are the same reasons why Ohio State's at number four in the current college football playoff rankings. If you think that Ohio State is a lock, the, the committee has already told us. Clemson and Notre Dame are locks moving forward. You know how I know that Clemson is a lock moving forward if they beat Notre Dame? Because they don't have Clemson after Ohio State. They have them before Ohio State. Clemson is a lock to get into the playoffs if they beat Notre Dame, and Notre Dame being at number two means they're a lock to make it. If they lose to Clemson, they'll just move them back a bit. Ohio State does not have a guaranteed spot in the playoffs if they win out, period. Because if Florida beats Alabama, Florida will get in over a 6-0 and Big Ten champion Buckeye team, period. Because Florida actually beat Alabama, who is going to be way more respectable of a win. Period. I don't care. This isn't an opinion. This is just common sense. This is using the history of what the Big Ten, or what the College Football Playoff Committee has told us. Don't say things like, oh, if you clearly don't follow college football. Clearly you don't follow college football this season. Because the committee has already told Ohio State, we know you're one of the top best teams in the country but you just haven't done enough to make us feel comfortable to put you any higher than four everyone's like this should be number two well they're not they're number four and they're holding on to number four and i don't think that six wins is going that six games is going to be enough to to guarantee them be number two but people like mr alex sheets here who have big flags on their no no i'm just saying like the homers in general Kev, the committee is already telling us by putting. Are you watching? Look, you can't. You could can stop watching this boring ass game for two minutes while what we close the show. What
1: are man? I can do two. I'm trying to every talk once. to you. No, know, you can't because I've asked I you two ask. questions. You haven't an answered anything. I asked you a question. I said, so "Who said they should be at number two? I don't think they should be at number two. Obviously, I'm on a whole different island. I believe that Notre Dame has the best win in college football this year over at Clemson. Um, Bamba number two, and then I have uh, Clemson at three, and then Ohio State at four. So
0: Ohio State's number four. They should be at number four. They're at
1: number four not because they're the fourth best team in the
0: country. If you ask me, Ohio State, well, no. I mean, look, defensively is why they're not also one of the top two teams in the country. They're at number four. They deserve to be at number four, period.
1: Yeah, Bottom and that line. goes back to the point about what you said. Actually, you said this in September. i give you a lot of credit for this. Like The amount of games is going to matter, but I think the amount of games really matters because Alabama and Clemson and Notre Dame, they're in – no double digit games So they're allowing themselves to figure out the kinks With Ohio State With them only playing five games Currently they haven't been able to work out the kinks yet So it's still a situation Where like we don't know If this is the right defense to be running If we have the right personnel on the field I know everybody's going to look back to last week's game And look what they did to Michigan State But that's Michigan State They've been struggling for years on offense So I don't think like the, the test that they had on defense was Indiana, and they failed defensively. Thank goodness they have a potent offense.
0: Absolutely. and Look, I'm not saying Ohio State's not one of the four best teams in the country. I just don't think their resume is one of the four best, and that's going to hurt Ohio State. 6-0 Big Ten champion. Big Ten champion is great, but if Florida beats Alabama and Clemson beats World Notre time. Dame, I'm sorry, Mr. Uh, where to go, Andy she- or Alex Sheets? The- they're not getting in. I just don't see that. Roll Tide. They're not. All right, folks, have a great night. We'll do this again tomorrow. Just a reminder the Dayton Flyers who are too afraid to play the team just 13 miles away and the Wright State Raiders will take on the 5th or 6th best team in that same conference in Northern Kentucky tomorrow night, 7 o'clock at the arena. Wright State and UD have not played in 23 years and it's going to be 24 years because the athletic director there is too afraid to schedule the Wright State Raiders. Uh, So just keep that in mind. Uh, Wright State does not fit the scheduling model of the Flyers to make the NCAA tournament but somehow the 5th or 6th best team in that same conference is good enough? I don't know. I've never been enough other director, but I, I think that that's wrong. It's, I, I think they're making the wrong decision. So just a reminder, and keep in mind tomorrow, people think that Wright State and are the same team. They're not. NKU is 200, ranked 203rd in the Ken Palm rankings. Um, Wright State is 100 spots higher. So when they blow out NKU tomorrow, I don't want to hear people say, oh, well, that's what they would do to Wright State. No, 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 That's what they do. They've already, you know, that's not going to happen. Period. Like that, that, that's. Anyways, I just want to throw that out there. Just bring it up. So tomorrow night, what's your Twitter again? At 1410 Kenner, K-I-N-N-E-R. Cool. So UD, when they blow them out tomorrow, which they will and they should, I don't want to hear, oh, that's what they would do to Wright State. No, no, no. No. Anyways, have a good night, everybody. Take care.
5: Go Browns!